Hello and welcome back to the Trick Play Podcast on the Fresh Take Network. I'm Simon Chuskovsky here with Caleb Peterson and shortly we'll be breaking down all the sports related news, rumors and drama that you will want to hear about. This week we have a pretty loaded week and pretty well spread out across the board for the most part with we'll be hitting on the Super Bowl which just talking about how things went, talking about the uh, halftime show as well because apparently that's important to people. Then we get into the NFL coaching carousel, where we will be talking about all the pl- all the coaches who moved around and all of that. We'll be talking about, I believe it's Greg's hit, or Greg getting hit by Morgan Riley after taking what was a rather controversial slap shot into an open net. Then we'll get into the NBA All-Star Game, which should be coming up the day this comes out, which is always fun. And we'll be giving you... Our picks, if we were drafting the teams, obviously not going to be the case, but still, we'll have some fun with it. Then, that'll be it, I believe. So, make sure to check us oh, out yeah. on YouTube, Fresh Take Network, TikTok, Instagram, and Twitter, as we have new content coming out every single week on each and every one of those platforms. Caleb, how do you feel about the fact that Slovenia is apparently our second most watched country for our viewers? Really? How do you? How does that What's make number you one? Number, What's number well, one? Well, take a guess. Take a guess what number one is. Is it the U.S.? Yeah, it's the U.S. I would have thought Canada, considering more, we are based out of Canada, but Canada is number three. There's more slow. So there's more in the last Slovenia. twenty-eight days. In the last twenty-eight days. Oh, Venia. So in the last twenty-eight days. Okay, you want to know why? You want to? You want to know why that is? I I think I got a pretty good um, guess, but I I've got. <laughs> you have a pretty good, yeah. I, I wonder. I wonder what video got popular about a certain basketball player who may or may not be from <laughs> Slovenia. Yeah, um, I gosh, that may or may not have something coming. to do with it. Yeah, no, I mean, yeah. hey, I I don't complain. Welcome, actually, it's good. welcome. Yeah, it's we pretty love cool. Slovenia. We love. We've it. always said we love Slovenia. <laughs> it's very true. We've always said that. So again, yeah. thank you for tuning in. We've got a lot coming up it's, this week. Hey. If we reach 100 subscribers by the end of the month, no, May, by the end of March, we'll give them a little bit more time. Okay. If we reach 100 subscribers by the end of March, we will both fly out to Slovenia. And I'm making that promise for both of us. And you don't get to say anything. So Slovenian, if, if, if the Slovenian fans demand it, we will be there. <laughs> both of us. Can we make the requirement that with that... For that to happen, Slovenia has to remain one of like the sixty. Yeah. The sixty subscribers need to be Slovenian. I believe it's Slovenian. I I hope I'm right on that. But like, I wouldn't I wouldn't say all of them, but they need to remain one of our top. Countries. Yeah, they need to remain in the top top two. They have to remain in the top two, is what I will say. They will not beat out America, probably anyway. They won't beat out America, but they need to remain in the top two. And so, yeah, if if we reach that mark, then me and Simon I, are I getting on. I guess we're going to Slovenia. The, the, How long is the flight hours, to Slovenia? 50, is it 12? 12 <laughs> 55-minute flight. Oh, this is from Vancouver. It might be a little bit better from Calgary. Um, and, oh, they don't even fly out of Slovenia, so you all have to come here first. Oh, um, my God. So I, I'm so literally it, spending it, my entire bank account on 100 subscribers. Like fuck, Caleb, yes. make it a thousand. At least, like, 
I ain't got that kind of money. Three hundred and twenty-four dollars for a thirteen-hour flight. I think I don't know if that's runway or not. So that may be like. (laughs) Not unless you learn how to swim real fast. Uh, All right. Shit. We love Slovenia. We love Slovenia. So on this past Sunday, we had the biggest sport event of the year. Super Bowl 58 uh, ended up with the Chiefs beating the Niners 25-22 to 22 in overtime. As a professional Niners hater, I absolutely love this game. Um, I think it was one of the – we'll get into the details of the game, some of the plays – most important plays talk about the overtime maybe some of the decisions that happened in it but just to kind of start off the conversation um i, w- I want to know where this ranks in terms of like best super bowls that you've watched simon because i think this hmm. and maybe it's just because i hate the niners so much and i was cheering for the chiefs like they were basically my team at that point but this <laughs> is like top 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 three super bowls i've ever oh, seen okay. and i've been watching i've been watching since the first one i watched was 47 this is this is the top. This was, is in the top. I, three, I, I suck think. with the numbers with the Super Bowl. Which one was forty-seven? I can't. I, I can't Niners. remember like that. Okay, yeah. I I mean I've been watching for less time because there was definitely I I have been less into football for less of my life. <laughs> but I can say like while I wasn't necessarily as high on it while watching it, a lot of things about it towards the end brought it up for me. I would say, I don't disagree with the top three pick. I don't know if it's the best. I don't know if I could give you my best Super Bowl, honestly, off the top of my head. But I think, uh, I don't know. I don't know where it would land for me, I guess. It's higher up. It's higher towards the top of the list. But I don't know if if I'd comfortably put it number one, truthfully. Okay. It feels weird to have that there. I mean, my number one is a very biased pick because it's the oh, one yeah, that the Seahawks won. That will, that will, yeah. <laughs> that will forever, that will forever be my number one Super Bowl. That's probably I, most I can't people's say that... least favorite Super Bowl. Yeah, that's fair. Yeah, that's that's probably true. Actually, <laughs> you know what? Actually, I can give you my favorite Super Bowl because it was the first Super Bowl I watched, which was Denver mm. and Carolina. That would have really? been that would have been the first Super Bowl. Well, that was the first like super like football game that I got really into watching. Okay, yeah. So like that, I'd say that one for me would probably be my favorite. I this I I don't know like again I don't know if I could even give you a second or third like just overall while watching this game I I felt underwhelmed for the first three quarters and that is ninety percent of the reason I don't feel like I could put it. It feels weird to have it near the top, but what happened, like towards the end, definitely I guess brings it up. But eh. yeah, I think I think for me, I'm looking at this in terms of like it gave me everything I wanted, um, because yeah, for the first half it was kind of trending poorly because one of the worst Super Bowls in recent memory was Super Bowl Fifty Three, where it was like thirteen to three. Yeah, and going into the half, I was kind of thinking. I think I said out loud to my friends like, "Oh no." this is like the same thing that's happening again. That was not a good Super Bowl. I don't want that to happen again. But I think because it like, it turned up a notch and the scoring opened up to that ending, 
that's why I, I, I start to be like, it gave me the defensive battle and the offensive yeah. shootout at the end of it. Like, it really encapsulated everything, which is just, like, so fantastic. Um, and, I mean, I don't know if we, we want to get into, like, the specific plays of it more, but in terms of that ending, obviously a lot of the conversation is around the overtime rules. Yeah. And I don't know if you've, you've been hearing that, like, Kyle Shanahan didn't know the overtime rules or didn't he tell didn't his teammates a lot of the players. I think it's either he didn't know or he didn't brief his team on it. A lot of the players on the team didn't know. I, I know Juszczyk definitely yeah. came. Juszczyk definitely came out and said he didn't know that that they changed the overtime rules. Either way, they weren't prepared. What do you think about the decision to take the ball first in this situation? Because normally that's a slam dunk in regular yeah. season yeah. overtime, but in the playoffs it's a little bit different now. I think. As a whole, the fact that this is the first time in the Super Bowl was the first time we've actually seen it in action sewered a lot of people. <laughs> because mm. it's it kind of it's the biggest possible obviously any playoff game is big, but this is bigger than anything else. So I I kinda from a player perspective, I could kinda understand why they didn't know it. Cause it's not like I, I'm not gonna sit here and act like going into overtime I wasn't like, how does the new rules work again? Like <laughs> But, but even with, like, the fact that I was cloudy on it, because it's been a while since we've talked about the fact that they've changed it. It's been, like, what? They've changed it a year and a half ago? Two years? Like, it's not... Two years, because yeah. it was in Bill's Chiefs. Right. Yeah, like, it's been a while since they've actually changed it. We haven't had to talk about it since, right? So, I can say I was definitely not as... It, it wasn't fresh in my mind, but even then, when I heard them say that they wanted it first, I kind of... I kind of scratched my head a little bit because it was, it, it was a, I don't know. It didn't make a lot of sense. And I think that's what most people are falling on. Cause even me as somebody who was a bit more casual on the rules, I was like, I don't know about that one. Cause yeah, it's the idea that you're giving Patrick Mahomes the final possession. Like, well, that, here's the thing. I mean, I got it from a sense. It it was a thing that didn't really strike because I I knew the rules going into it. Um, I think that their decision looks a lot worse given that they a lot of the players were clumsy on the rules. Um, but I I do think the reasoning makes sense. And as much as I would love to dunk on Kyle Shanahan and the Niners, I don't think I can as much here because I, I think the biggest um, kind of conversation that I've had after this is just like how oh this is such a stupid decision such a stupid decision um, there's like clips going around like Mahomes being shocked when they asked for the ball first because yeah. he's like thought it would be a given that you'd want it second and I get that because obviously getting giving getting the ball second gives you a couple distinct advantages one you know the score going into it so you know what you have to get if the Niners only kick a field goal you know you have to get a touchdown so you're gonna be going for it um, but I do think there's a couple things. Um, I think that taking the ball first is not the worst decision because it kind of brings you to a point where, um, let's say Niners go down and score a touchdown. If the Chiefs go down and score a touchdown, then all the Niners need is a field goal. Yeah. Um, and with the kind of how the game was going, where they were just kind of scoring touchdown, 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 I think that's that's probably what they have in mind. I'm shocked that the Niners didn't go for it on their fourth down, if I'm being that quite honest. That surprised me, too. I think, yeah. I, think, I think that kind of sours the whole decision. 
because I think if you're taking the ball first, you have to score a touchdown. Um, I think you have to be aggressive there. Um, but I mean, the other the other thing is is that people were saying Mahomes has come out and said that like the Chiefs would have gone for two to win it even if they did um, get the ball second, and then even if the Niners had scored a touchdown, they would have tried to go for the win. I do think there's a lot of it. It, it is important, I think, to get that final sudden death possession. I think that's what Shanahan was going for. I can see the logic that maybe wasn't the smartest decision, but um, I don't know. Like, I don't think it's. I don't think it deserves to be as lambasted as it was. Like, that's kind of my my take on it. I, it still probably was the wrong decision, but I don't. I think there is some logic to it. Yeah, and I don't think that's what people are saying. There are like, there's logic to if they wouldn't be asking the coach if there wasn't logic to it, right? Like it's. It's that type of thing, but I, I, I mean, I don't know. It, I guess it's kind of them not going for it on fourth that also just struck me like it's like, it's almost like you're not sticking with your guns at that point, right? Because you're making the yeah. choice. You went made the choice that you wanted to try and score a touchdown first drive. You wanted it, and then you're deciding to turn back on that, and instead of trusting your defense. In a, trusting both your offense and your defense in that situation, you decided to play it safe and you lost because of it, right? So it's, yeah, I don't know. I, I disagree with that fourth. I think not going for it on fourth was a terrible decision by Shanahan and arguably could have, if more than the choice at the toss, probably would have been, was the reason they lost. I, I will say that the, this entire thing, sitting next to my dad, who is a very casual 40, has been a very casual 49ers fan since like the <laughs> 90s, like watching this entire thing was pretty hilarious because I, like I said, I kind of scratched my head at it, and I remember saying to him, "Like, I don't. Why would you want to give Patrick Mahomes the ball second? Like, of all the people you want following up your offensive drive, <laughs> like, why would you do that?" And he went, "No, no. Forty ers are gonna go down the field, <laughs> score a touchdown, no issue." And then on fourth down, he went, "No, it's a good decision. Don't go for it." Don't go for it. And of course, Patrick Mahomes marches down the field and wins the entire thing because yeah. he's fucking Patrick Mahomes. But, like, it's... I don't know. The entire... I think the, the entire experience for me in that fourth quarter and OT was... I, I enjoyed it. I, I think that made up for the entire game that I just spent eating queso having a good time. But, like, I I don't know. It, it made up for it for me. I think... I You said that you don't... I don't know if you said this on the podcast or before... But I remember you saying that you don't think that this game needed OT to be a good football game. Yeah. I I don't know if I agree with that. I think OT really, really added to it. Everything that happened into it. Because I think a lot of the reasons that this game will be remembered is for all of the shit that went down in that overtime. <laughs> well, I think I do think that adds to it. But I don't think it needed that to be a great game. I think it was already a great game before that. Because, again, it gave me everything I need even just in the first four four quarters in terms of defensive showdown and then an off, the offensive floodgates kind of opened. Like, that's all I really all I really want from a football game. And I think, think about it this way. If the game doesn't go to overtime and it plays out pretty much exactly the same way, all you have is that it's 22 to 19, and instead of the Chiefs going down and kicking a field goal, they're scoring a game-winning touchdown with like no time left in the fourth quarter. That would still be a fantastic way to end a Super Bowl, and that's kind of what I wanted to happen. I was still on the edge of my seat that whole that whole time. Um, if it didn't have like this, I think I did say this before the podcast. If it didn't like have 
that the fourth quarter that it did. I think everything after um, the point where the punt goes off of the Niners player's foot, I think that's kind of when the game shifted, yeah. if I'm being quite honest, which, I mean, that's just t- tough luck for them. But um, I think everything after that point is really what elevated it. I don't think it needed the overtime to get there. Um, I don't know if we want to talk about how unlucky the Niners were in this game. That kind of got me thinking, like, yeah, that, there was a lot of there was a lot of bad. Yeah, that that was pretty nuts. I, I uh, oh my god, I remember thinking as well before Dre Greenlaw went down, he was having a really good game. Like I felt like I was yeah. seeing him all over the place. I don't know how many tackles he had before he got hurt, but he definitely had at least three or four. Which I don't was it first quarter or second quarter he went down? I don't even remember now. But Ooh, he was, was on like, it was either late first or early second. Yeah. yeah, but he was on good pace for where the game was tackles wise of just like disturbing the run game, right? Like I I don't know. I could very much notice the fact that he wasn't there. So yes. for the 49ers, and I mean, no shit, he's one of their best linebackers. Like it's you're obviously gonna notice him when he's not there, but I think that really shifted the game and I almost I I don't know how you feel about this because I don't truthfully I'm not even sure if he was on Kelsey but I almost wonder if that had anything to do with Kelsey stepping up a little bit more in the second half the fact that they were down a linebacker mm-hmm. like I think there's a lot of there's a lot of things in there that I think would have went differently had that injury maybe I I do think I do think I don't know this off the top of my head but I do think it was more of a Fred Warner on and I yeah situation. I think I thought that was the case too but I still think not having that second your second best linebacker that still screws you for the yeah it, it definitely hurt them but I don't think it impacted it quite as much as it could have because I think where Trey Greenlaw helps a lot out in is run support and at that point the Chiefs weren't really running the ball um I think you could tell that they were the Niners' defense wasn't quite as good against the run, but at that point in the yeah. game, they well, that. I mean, in the beginning, they, they couldn't run the ball at all. Like the the Chiefs, yeah. they were completely getting stumped yeah. every single time. Yeah, Pacheco turned it turned it around after the the injury happened, but oh, I almost, yeah. you got to wonder yeah, if that changed their terrible game. Yeah, like I mean that that was also partially Pacheco not knowing how to hand on hand on to the, like keep his hands on the ball. That's he it. like fumbled it like two or three times with one of them really costing them. Yeah, no, it was. But he, he did turn did turn it around. There are people at uh, Super Bowl party I was watching that were calling for him like bench him, cut him from the roster in the first yeah. quarter, and then yeah. by the time <laughs> it's the fourth quarter. I, I was I, I will not lie to you. I was saying to my I was saying to my dad like there's no point in running. What are you doing? Like you're not going to win this game by handing it off. <laughs> use, use the quarterback you're paying fifty million dollars a year and throw it deep. Yeah. Like that was what I was saying. I was the only way that the Chiefs were winning that game was by hitting Patrick Mahomes, letting Patrick Mahomes sling it. And I mean, it's, it was kind of true, but like, I mean, it was kind of. It was still a, a bit of an overreaction to what was going on in the first quarter. I still think it, without that injury, who knows what would have happened. I think that injury really really just shifted things at least in my opinion yeah i don't even know if it was as much because i mean obviously they're gonna miss him on the field but i can't imagine what that does for like the locker room in terms of like the player's motivation because it's like that's probably one of your most vocal leaders on the field and to have him go out like that yeah he's walking on the field even like in any situation i've been where like a player has gotten hurt mid-game. You'd think that, like, that type of thing, especially if it's, like, a dirty hit that they go and that hypes you up, 
it doesn't. It like it it lets the air out of the tires almost a little bit where you're just like yeah like it's I don't know it doesn't have the impact you might think and I almost think that was the case for the 49ers where it was the type of thing where especially watching him go down like that where it was like that's nobody's fault it was a non-contact injury the he wasn't even in play he was running the, the field freakest, yeah the freakest injury like you can ever see god I mean you gotta feel bad for him as well because you gotta think that he knew he was having a good game too like, it's yeah. just like, yeah, that's that's always rough in situations like that because, I mean, <laughs> what are you going to do? But, I mean, hey, that's no, football. Seriously. Yeah, it is, unfortunately. I mean, it could, could, it could happen to anybody, but it sucks for that to happen in that situation. Yeah. Um, I don't know. I don't know if you want to kind of – wrap it up by talking about like where where do these teams go from here i think i think both conversations are pretty interesting i think they are i think i think i, I could start have off you with heard with have the you winners. heard the, the shit people are talking about purdy <laughs> oh no like it's been i, I feel mean, like i have heard things that are just insane to say about a quarterback who's i mean gone to the super bowl once and gone to the conference twice in two seasons <laughs> Like, it's... I don't know what your opinion on... I I think we've had the conversation about how good you think Purdy is. But I think it's... He's he's good enough that you should not be having the conversation of whether the 49ers need to upgrade, at the very least, in my opinion. I honestly think... I honestly think that is is a fair conversation to have. I don't... That's not meaning to say that they should. Um, Because I don't think... I think it would take a lot to upgrade from him. But I think it's more that if I'm looking at the Niners roster, I don't even know where else they can upgrade. Yeah. That's my thing. Well, the thing That's is, like, I, I don't think they lost this game because they were worse. Like, they no, were not the worst team they... in that Super Bowl. They, it, it just came, they just lost. Like, it's the yeah. type of thing where shit happens. I almost feel like for the 49ers, you just run it back. Like, I think yeah. that's all you can I think do. You, I think you have to. Yeah. I think you have to. And you've got, you probably have, I, I do think you have to try to run it back as best as you can, circumvent the cap as much as you can to push your problems down the road. Because I think you have one last year at this before your yeah. window closes. Because after this year is when Purdy comes due and a whole bunch of other contracts come due as well. I you believe no longer I, there's rumbling Purdy less than a town. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. That's the thing. It's like, these contracts are going to come to yours. going to start losing star play. Like, Trent Williams is only getting older. I, I don't imagine is... Kittle will be long around, at, or at least around at elite level for a lot longer. Oh, like it's... thank God. Um, <laughs> good riddance. Um, Holy. George, like, Caleb hates scale. Aaron Rodgers, George Kittle. It's like, really? it's, they're not it's that, that far close. Apart. Yeah. But like, okay, no, Aaron Rodgers, have, Aaron Rodgers, if we want to break this down, Aaron Rodgers, like, that's fair. Because I know where you land on, like, that politically, all of that stuff, but, like, that's fair. <laughs> I don't know what George Kittle did to deserve Aaron being Rod- here. Aaron, Aaron Rodgers <laughs> pisses me off because, yeah, because he's a stupid anti-vaxxer who runs his mouth. George Kittle pisses me off because I don't like his team and his hair is greasy and he's kind of a dick. <laughs> How he seems like such a nice guy. I don't like every video I see I just, of him is like I want to be that guy's friend. Like 
I saw I saw one video of him where he was like he was doing an interview with like the eleven year old reporter where he was at the Super Bowl media night and I was like I had to turn my eyes away because he was being really nice to him and I was like <laughs> this is not the image I had in my head of this guy fuck so I turned it off. Um, and, you need to. You know, he's a he's a grease he's a he's a greasy little whiner and I fucking hate his ass. I hope he retires. Um, so you hate him for all the is, reasons you know, I hate I, Ryan Kessler basically. <laughs> that it's yeah. that type of yes, thing. That's a, that is a, that is a great comparison. <laughs> Aaron Rodgers is like genuine. Like I think this person is a shitty person, and George Kittle is the highest like level of sports hate, which is okay. different than that. And I can get there's that. A difference. I there's mean, a difference. Yeah, I'll I'll always hate Ryan Kessler for deciding that he can just take shits on bucks. But I mean, like, yeah, exactly. <laughs> like yeah. does that make me hate it's him personally? Kind of yes, thing. but. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's there a very similar kind of thing. There it's a go. very similar kind of thing. All right. Um, well, I think uh, yeah, no. I think the last thing that we can touch on, because I think if I don't talk about it, people in my life will be mad at me. Let's talk about the halftime show. <laughs> okay. Okay. Um, I liked when Usher took his shirt off. <laughs> I got multiple texts at the same time going, "Why is he stripping?" <laughs> Uh, I I thought it was pretty shit, but I don't know what you thought. Really, really, I was, I was pretty was unimpressed. I mean, I, I really, it's not like I hide the fact that my musical tastes are very okay, much yeah, opposite side of the spectrum when it comes to this stuff. But like, usually, like for Rihanna's, I thought it was pretty good. Like for like stuff like that, like usually I can appreciate a good pop artist. This one is like. I don't know. It was like there was like four or five songs there where I was like, "I these are, these suck." And then there's the last one was good. Like his last few songs were good, but like it was yeah, he ended it well. He ended it well, I but think... he started it really bad. <laughs> at least in my opinion. My opinion Again, of it, it. Once he took is... his shirt off, it got better. Obviously. Yeah, of course. Yeah, he, it's the opposite of the Adam Levine effect. <laughs> where it's like Adam Levine took his shirt off and everybody wanted to plunge their eyes out. Usher takes his shirt off and it's like, yeah, you go, buddy. Um, but no, I, I disagree. I don't think it was bad. I think I don't think it was like the one of the best of all time or anything. Like nowhere near that. But I think yeah. I think my expectations were so low that I was like, oh, well, this isn't bad. Because I guess that's fair. I think, I think I think Usher was running an uphill battle because the NFL picked him like 20 years later than he should have. That's like true. nobody has talked about Usher for the last 20 years. If Usher did the Super Bowl in like 2006, oh boy, that would have been cool as hell. <laughs> like two, uh, 2006, but, um, 2009 ish era. That that it would have been yeah, nuts. <laughs> that would have been great. He would have been fantastic then. But nobody like remembers any of the. I also of his music I also anymore, like, like didn't know any of the people he brought on stage, which is also again totally. I will admit, complete hick. I don't know what the fuck is going you didn't, on. You didn't but know like, Alicia Keys? No, <laughs> I didn't. I don't know who that is. <laughs> I don't. Really? I could not name okay, a single yeah, Alicia that's... Keys song. <laughs> so really, okay. Like name um, one. Uh, name an Alicia Keys song. <laughs> um, she's in the. She's in the. Okay, she does, never mind. I don't feel song, bad she, anymore. She does, she, does, she does Empire State of Mind with Jay Z. Oh, that one. Okay. 
Yeah, yeah, okay. I do know that one. She's in, she's in that one. Although I did, I, I, I will say, I found it fucking hilarious. I thought that they were, like, dating or some shit when I, like, saw the... No. And then he got married like, later that married. day. <laughs> and then both he got are, married. Both of them are married to different people. Well, no, he um, got married that same night after oh, yeah, doing yeah. that. <laughs> I was like, holy yeah. fuck. <laughs> yeah. Uh, I thought that was wild, but I mean, yeah. Interesting Super Bowl yeah. tub show. I, I don't know. Like, was, the end was very solid. I I did like it more than, like, it was watchable, which I guess I can give it that. Like, while, I, I like, felt I like the weekend it. one made me want to, like, I actively wanted to leave the room during the weekends, but, like... Really? <laughs> yeah, that one. Like, he was we running through the, the maze, like, with an iPhone or some shit. Like, what the hell was that? I mean, this is this is... <laughs> Me being biased because I am a huge weekend fan, oh, okay. but that's my favorite <laughs> halftime show that I've ever seen. Like that, I mean, it's just because I like and know all the music. Like, I listened to he after that Super Bowl halftime drop, he dropped like a compilation weekend greatest hits album that I had on repeat was... for like two months after the Super Bowl. I I'm blanking on names here. Fucking um, what was the one in 2020 again? It was like Shakira, like. J-Lo, that one was good. Yeah, Beyonce. <laughs> oh, and the Eminem yeah. one. I put both of those far above. Oh, the Eminem one. That one was real good. They, I, I might put, the Weekend one is just because I really like the Weekend. Sure. The, the like, hip, the hip-hop ensemble they had in yeah. L.A. with Dr. I'm Dre not and even, I'm not even, like, like I'm not a hip-hop guy in the slightest. I thought that was fucking awesome. That was a cool show. That yeah. was a cool show. That, that was actually, yeah, that's probably, I'd probably put that above the weekend. I do think also the weekend had a lot to go against because he was doing it in COVID and couldn't work off the crowd at all. That's um, I think he did, he did like a really good job considering what, what... That, like running through the mirrors. Like, I, <laughs> that'll forever. Cool it, it I thought wasn't. that was a cool set piece. It really, it was. really wasn't. It looked so dumb. <laughs> at least it was something unique. At least it was something unique. Was I? Rather I, than just like bringing unique, a bunch of dancers on the field. Unique doesn't mean like, good. Like, <laughs> I, think, I think it's cool. <laughs> I, it looked I like I was watching a Zoom thing. It looked like I was watching a Zoom thing of like, imagine if like one of your friends got like kidding. really drunk and like called you from like a club or something. That's what I picture. What it, was I cool. it was like spinning it in cool. circles. There's lights everywhere. <laughs> I, I thought that thought was it so was great because he, he took advantage. <laughs> he took advantage of the fact that like there was no crowd, so he could do stuff like that, where he just kind of like goes to a back room with the camera. That that I thought it was creative, and I thought it was unique. I um, guess yeah, I, it was a it was I don't... a great halftime show. <laughs> he played all the hits. I've just never been a fan of the weekend. I like. I actively don't. His like. music it's, is fantastic. His mas- music gets his music overplayed on every pop radio station I've ever been forced to listen. Okay, to. yeah, because that's cool. Well, that's just because you listen to like only the hits. Like you only hear blinding lights. Yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> pretty much. <laughs> I mean, everybody can get tired. Blinding lights was still a still one of the better like pop songs to come out in the last few years. It's just that it got overplayed to oblivion. Um, but so the rest bad. of the... <laughs> that sucks. It's a great song. It's a great song. Oh, that song sucks so much. <laughs> You've just heard it too many times. I've heard it so many That's fucking the... times. 
It's a great song. If it comes up, if it comes up on my like Apple Music shuffle, I'm still listening to the whole thing and grooving the whole time. I think I'd probably pull my earbuds out and step on them. Like <laughs> I don't like that song. This weekend, this this weekend hatred doesn't sit. I I don't like I. <laughs> oh, like I can put up. The funny thing is, I'm I'm trying to think right now if there's actually like an artist that I dislike more, like music wise. And the weekend. Like I'm thinking about the it. Weekend is great. How many weekend songs have you actually heard other than oh, Blinding just, Lights? Just the ones on the radio. So like list like all of like the three that have been over. Blinding lights. Can't feel my face. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> that, those, are those are those the three? Pretty much. <laughs> like and I do Blinding not feel the need Blinding to go Lights and find more. <laughs> Blinding lights and can't feel my face, I get. The hills is great. Um, well, I don't like even know what the hills. But... I don't even. I know there was like three or four. Okay, I have no idea what that is. But like <laughs> the the two, you, you those two, those two make me so angry whenever they come on the radio. <laughs> they're still, they're still great. They're still oh, great songs. And they still they get overplayed. overplayed. Yeah, <laughs> they have they have been overplayed. But I oh. mean. The rest of the weekend's catalog is great. To any of you fresh take listeners out there, um, listen to listen to the weekend. Listen to his new stuff. Listen to his old stuff. I don't think it's the weekend great. needs our shoutouts. <laughs> the weekend does need a shoutout. Yeah. Underrated. Underrated. Solomon concert in L.A. was fantastic. I'm trying. I'm seriously trying to think if there's an artist I don't dislike more. Like I'm. It, I'm really like raking through my brain to try and like find something. And I, I actually don't know if I can. What about like, what, what about like MGK? Like, there's gotta be someone like. I don't hear enough MGK. Like, okay, yeah, I guess. <laughs> yeah, like... What about Drake? What about Drake? Oh no, Drake. Yeah, probably Drake. I hate Drake more. That's true. I... Weekend can take my second fair. slot. <laughs> okay. Yeah, Drake pisses me off for all the same reasons as the weekend. So I mean, it's like but overplayed. Week... Sounds like the crap. Actually... Except the weekend is actually good at music. That's the, that's the difference. They both get played Drake's the same, and I get equally as angry when I hear both of them. So take with that as you will. <laughs> I'm going to listen to so much of the weekend after this podcast. Yeah, I'm I feel sure. like I just need to cleanse my soul after this conversation. <laughs> All right, sure, buddy. I'll go. That's gonna be my shout at the end of the podcast too. If only I could pull out. If only I had my weekend vinyls here, I could pull out. Oh my god! <laughs> <laughs> so, if you remember back a couple of weeks, we had Josh Arbuthnot on to talk with us about the coaching carousel and everything going around the NFL. Now we're going to go back a little bit here and take a peek at what ended up being the outcomes of all that. We obviously broke all of the potential moves down. Now we're getting the chance to actually look at what might happen or what did happen sorry so definitely a lot of interesting stuff here is the main thing that i immediately am looking at here we're going to be starting off with probably one of the less interesting ones funnily enough but the washington commanders they fired ron rivera and hired dan quinn what an upgrade <laughs> i think you say this is one of the least interesting that may be true I also think it is the funniest head coaching hire. 
Um, Probably. Because with how this with how this went is basically because the Seahawks and Commanders were the two that were left, and the two the last two teams to choose a head coach, and it was kind of going like this: where Ben Johnson and Mike McDonald, who are arguably like the two highest um, touted coaching candidates, they were still both available. So people are thinking, well, one of them is going to go to Washington, one of them is going to go to Seattle, and then I think be- then. Ben Johnson in Washington, they have their meetings, and um, I don't know, something goes wrong. Ben Johnson, there's been complaints both ways. The commanders say that Ben Johnson didn't do very good in the interview. Ben Johnson said like that he didn't like the commander's ownership. Um, so Ben Johnson said, <laughs> nah, fuck it, I'm not even going to take a head coaching job. I'd rather stay in Detroit. So now the commanders only have Mike McDonald as their last option, but he has already pretty much decided that he's going to Seattle, and I I don't know the exact details, but I think the commanders might have called up Mike McDonald while he was on the plane to fly to Seattle to accept the job offer, being like, hey, 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 buddy, like, you want to Want to go to a different Washington? (laughs) Yeah, and it's like, nope, nope. Because I think, I mean, the, the story that's out there was, was that Seattle offered him more money, which, thank God, we'll get to that. I mean, six um, year. But, <laughs> yeah, that's pretty yeah, good. This is a big, a big thing. But I'm thinking, like, this is really funny because you can very clearly see that Washington had a plan. It completely went to shit, and they kind of said, oh, <laughs> Dan <left."> Quinn. <laughs> oh, Dan Quinn. Oh, he's a guy who was good at some point. Forget about what happened in Remember the Remember that time game. when he lost the Super Bowl? That. <laughs> Remember, yeah. <laughs> Remember when the time when he coached the Legion of Boom, except that was actually Pete Carroll and it didn't really matter? Um, yeah, oh. that's the kind of thing. It's like, I don't think he... Uh, that, here's the thing. I don't think he's like the worst hire in the world. Like, I think you could have... You could have done a lot could have had worse. But I do think this is you kind of... You could have also done a lot like, better. <laughs> It feels like a move made out of desperation because there are no more good candidates left. And I think it does scare me a little bit that Ben Johnson was like, yeah, ownership is shit. Um, because with the last owner of the Commanders, um, we Commanders fans all know how that went um, in terms of Dan Schneider and are probably getting flashbacks to that and are hoping it's not a similar situation. I would not be shocked. I mean, I hope Dan Quinn does well. He was like... I mean, he did lose the Super Bowl, but he did still make it to the Super Bowl with the Falcons, which you can say was Kyle Shanahan's doing mostly, but he still did make it to a Super Bowl. Um, And so, like, he has some success. His defense, while it was up and down, had some success in Dallas. I don't think it's the worst hire, but it does end up feeling pretty uninspired. Yep, and I don't think I disagree with any of that. I wasn't a fan of it immediately when I saw it. I just went, why? Like, I, even when I was very vocal about the fact that I did not want Dan Quinn to come to Seattle when that was rumored, I was very much not a fan of that. I talked to a lot of Seahawks fans who did want Dan Quinn, and every time I just went, what? What out of all? You wanted to get rid of Pete Carroll to switch things up. Why would you bring in his former, I believe, defensive coordinator? Like, it's, I don't know. It never, that move never made sense to me. It felt like just a lateral pretty much like it's not an upgrade from pete it's just a new pete 
and a worse Pete. <laughs> yeah. Like, a worse Pete. Yeah, yeah, really. Or, yeah. Like, it's just... It's I'm, Pete Carroll without any of the energy or anything that makes him special. <laughs> yeah, it's Pete Carroll without any of the Pete Carroll. It's just like... <laughs> like, I, it's just... I don't know. It never made sense to me. I'm very happy with the move that Seattle did, made, ended up making, which is a pretty good transition because we can move into Seattle if we want to do that. Because we they... We in Seattle? We move into Seattle. They fired long-time... The are going to the Super Bowl! <laughs> <laughs> Mike McDonald era starts now! Watch out the rest of the NFC West. You're coming, we're coming for your asses. Oh, man. This is the greatest coaching hire of all time. Sorry, I cut you off. I got a little excited. Simon, remember to cut back here in a year when he gets fired after going four and twelve. I mean, sorry, nothing. He's not going. Right. He's not going <laughs> four and thirteen or whatever. Says, We're going to the Super Bowl. We're going to the Super Bowl. We're going to Disney World. <laughs> yeah. Oh, <laughs> uh, God. Uh, you know, I actually like the hire. I'm making jokes, but I really like the hire. I think he was definitely the best possible candidate out of all of the people we could have gotten. Like, other than, I mean, Harbaugh was never coming here, but like. That was the no. only other one that I heard that I think I probably would have liked more. But even then, I'm I'm really happy with this move. It feels like you're at this point you're just picking at shit. Like, I I thought I after what I saw out of the Ravens, I was really impressed by Mike McDonald and I McDonald, holy uh, Mike McDonald. I I liked him more than hiring Johnson, which is another reason I'm very happy with this move. I think, um, and the thing is, I think that's why he ended up here. I think at the end of the day, it was the Seahawks who got to choose between Johnson and McDonald, is at least what it sounded like to me. And I think they made the right choice here. I think, not that, yeah, not that I, I think Johnson's a bad coach at all, but, I mean, there is an obvious choice. I, yeah. And I think that when I'm looking at this, I, I think a couple things. I think, number one, obviously I love this hire. It's pretty much who I wanted from day one. I mean, like... I mean, maybe if you go back and look at the video, I might have said Ben Johnson there too. Um, but I do think um, that defensive coach is what this team needed. An offensive coach may have been what I wanted because I like offense and I like to see us score lots of points, um, which we'll still get, by the way, I'll get to that. Um, but I do think a defensive coach is what this team needed because this defense was the problem. And it's also the reason Pete Carroll got fired is because the defense was absolutely terrible for most of the time here. And I'm so hurt after, after the Legion of Boom. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> and so I think like bringing in Mike McDonald's who's had success everywhere he's gone. And it's not like the Ravens had a lot of talent, but so do the Seahawks. I think that's a little bit of an underrated story. It's just how much defensive talent the Seahawks do have. They just haven't been playing up to their full potential. They have two Pro Bowl corners who are in their now second and third year of playing. Woolen obviously had a down year, but I, I with a coach like McDonald, back. I think that I think he can bounce back. And oh, Witherspoon is should have been the defensive rookie of the year. And I mean, you've got I think with Nuwosu back, I think the, the defensive line is what needs the most work. But I think. If, the, if Jamal Adams is ever going to have a comeback season, it's going to be now. Um, I'm a little bit more doubtful on that end, but if, if he's ever going to have one, it's going to be now. Hopefully you bring back Brooks, and then I've been also really excited about the potential of adding some former Ravens yeah. to this team. If you can pair, like, bring Leonard Williams back and maybe get Matabike in there too, that will be fantastic. I've heard rumblings of bringing Patrick Queen in maybe because um, he's also a free agent. Yeah. That would be fantastic. Pairing up Jordan Brooks and Patrick Queen would be really funny, considering they went with back-to-back -back picks in the draft. Um, 
either way, obviously we're not going to be, be able to funny, get the ball It'd be funny, but it would also don't. be a pretty fucking insane linebacking core. Like, it would. Jordan yeah. Brooks, Bobby Wagner, um, yeah. Patrick Well, I, yeah, that's would, true. Would. I wasn't even thinking of Wagner, but I guess, yeah. Would, for some reason, would it might... love that. Yeah, no, for, I guess I wasn't even thinking of that. But, yeah, no, I, I totally agree. I think this defense is super underrated. I think next season, like... Everything goes well. Witherspoon totally has the potential to fill into those shoes of being one of the best corners in the NFL, I think. I think he's got all the talent yeah. in the world to do it. Woolen is I think he's an athletic freak. Like, he is just, like, it's just, for him, it's just coming into his own on the other side of the field from Witherspoon. I'm definitely a lot more confident yeah. in Witherspoon, but that doesn't mean that I think that Woolen doesn't have all the tools. It's just about putting them together. And I think with a coach like this, absolutely he can do it. And yeah. I think he because he I, also I has the potential the, to be one of the better corners, I think. Like I mean yeah, you have you have the was, athleticism he was one of the best that guy has. In the league in his rookie year. Yeah, I mean there yeah. you go. Like he with that athleticism, you the funny thing is it's the it's the argument with it where it's like it doesn't matter how far you run away from him, he'll catch up. Like <laughs> Yeah. Like I, I'd love to, I'd love to see him start doing more stuff like he did in his rookie year where he was baiting people. Yeah, he would bait people with the speed, and that was what was cool. Was like the the pick six he had against the Lions that year Picking off was where he he baited Jared Goff so hard. Um, that was also funny. Um, but like <laughs> where when when Goff threw that ball, the receiver was open, but Woolen is fast enough to make that decision wrong after he made it. Which is like at that point, how can you even defend that? And I think the pairing up of like a prime Witherspoon and a prime Woolen, like I don't even know what you do against that. No. Um, and it's really disappointing we didn't quite get to see that this year. I think our run defense was bad enough to where we didn't force people to rely on a passing game, so we couldn't really see the talents of Witherspoon and Woolen because their defensive line wasn't quite the best. But I think what were the the Ravens really good at? They were great at stopping the run. Um, Absolutely. Yeah. I think I and think so for Seattle think, that has to I think be. McDonald's the one already thing. talked about that too. Oh, I'm sure. Yeah, that has to be the one thing yeah. you immediately are going to try and do. You have to bring in people who are going to shut down that run. And like you said, if you can force them in the air here, I mean, even just like think think corners, think safeties, think everybody, pretty much. Like, there's not a lot of holes through the air in this defense for the Seahawks. Like, it's just yeah. when they try and run, and it's just when you face an elite running back, that's when the Seattle defense looks bad. It looks just terrible. Najee Harris, week 17 or 18 or whatever that was, that ended our season. Yeah. That's kind of what is in my head right now. Yeah. And I think that's why... And that's he's why not I like elite. <laughs> he's good, but he's not elite. Yeah, exactly. And that's why I like Matabike almost more than um, Queen if we're bringing in a free agent. I think pairing him with bringing back Leonard that. Williams, which they absolutely should do. Yeah. Um, if they don't do that, that's kind of insane. I think they will, because I think otherwise, why would you trade for him? Um but I think that kind of pairing would be insane. If they're able to make it work with the cap, I know their cap is really tight. Um, maybe cutting guys like Will Disley, that's why some people say Jamal Adams might not be back, just to bring in other guys who are potentially better. Um, yeah, that, that's kind of that's kind of what I'm, I'm thinking at this point. I think Mike McDonald's a great hire. Um, I think a lot of the issues with their defense were schematic, and he has more talent than people think. Um, before I move on to the next coach, I do want to give a shout-out to Ryan Grubb. Oh my God, I'm so excited. Um, after watching the University of Washington's offense um, for pretty much all of this year, again, like I've talked about on the pod before, I got really into them this year. Um, it was so creative 
and like focused on vertical downfield passing, which is like something Geno Smith is actually so freaking good at. And we didn't see it enough last year. And now hopefully we can unleash that. Well, and I mean, the potential of like. With the Seattle team maybe. has a ridiculous amount of deep threats. So, <laughs> like, I mean, yeah. I think back to when, like, we were, it was the let Russ cook thing. Why do you think it was so successful? Because we were throwing to Lockett and Metcalf deep every single time. Yeah. And they forcing them to make some incredible catches. Like, I'm sure you can just pick shit out of your head. Like, it's just. Like, I feel like, I agree with you. I think this Seattle team would be stupid to not continue to go back to the well on that one, where it's just, let Gino cook. <laughs> like, yeah. Let him throw it deep a little bit. And I do think Gino, I, I, well, Gino obviously isn't as good as Russ was in those days. No, I also think he course. doesn't have the and same flaw in terms of, that's not of the playing hero ball. I don't, think, I don't think Gino's going to be doing that, doing that part of it, which was kind of the ultimate undoing, where Russ would try to force things that weren't there. Um because that's never what you saw in the Washington offense. It was just like um, Penix had a Dunze who was just better than everybody else. And Penix was so accurate that it didn't really matter what the defense did because Odunze was going to catch it and Penix was going to put it in the breadbasket. And I could see the same thing with Gino and Lockett because we've seen it before in Gino's first season. Um, go watch the Lockett catch against the Saints. That is the most accurate throw I have ever seen from a quarterback in any football game ever. Um, from his first year, go watch that um, if you are doubting Geno Smith's downfield ability. Um, he's absolutely fantastic at it. Um, I'm frankly shocked that we were able to get Ryan Grubb as OC when we, it was that, that we were interviewing Chip Kelly. I was fucking terrified. Um, <laughs> but we got probably the best person on the market. Um, also our defensive coordinator. I don't know much about him, but he's British, and that's fun. Um, and it's Mike McDonald's defense anyways. But so... Absolutely great fucking coaching cycle for the Seahawks. Could just be like a reverse Ted Lasso situation. You never know. I uh, yeah, I know. No, like I uh, yeah, I can definitely. I had a thought and then I completely lost it. To be honest with you, I wish I could remember it because it was a good point. So like, you know, so I'm gonna remember that later, or don't. Whatever. <laughs> we can move on. Let's talk about the Atlanta Falcons. Moving on from Arthur Smith, who decided to use none of his very many weapons and had no success, and to the shock of many people, obviously. And um, they are bringing in Raheem Morris, who, truthfully, I don't know too much about. And Caleb, I might just let you take this one, because I'm sure you know more about him than I do. I mean, honestly, I don't know the most about him. I mean, he was a, the thing that I think is funny is that... Um, it's kind of the Falcons admitting their mistake in hiring Arthur Smith because you want to know who the interim coach for the Falcons was before they hired Arthur Smith? Raheem Morris. Wait, really? Um, he's had, yep, he's oh. been the head coach of the Falcons before. Um, I actually didn't know that. And I guess, it, <laughs> yeah, I guess if you're Arthur, and he did pretty good. Like, he, he had a good record with them. And I think if you're Arthur Blank, you're probably like, you're, you were probably in your head thinking in those last few Arthur Smith days, like, fuck, I should have just went the guy with the guy who was already here. And that's almost what this move says to me. And I, I don't think it's a bad move. Like I, I, I think, I think it's a pretty good um, decision because I think Morris is a great coach. One of the things that I hear about him the most is that the players just love him. Um, like he is beloved by the players in that locker room. Um, people in LA were really sad to see him go. Um, 
And I think he's brought, I think another thing is he's, he brought a bunch of assistants from the LA coaching staff, which obviously if you're on the Sean McVay tree, you're basically like gold in the NFL coaching world. So their new OC, Zach Robinson, is from the Rams coaching staff, learned under McVay. I think that's another big thing. And I think part of the reason Morris got the job is because they almost presented as a package, package deal. Not to say that Ricky Morris didn't deserve it on his own merits, because of course he did. But I do think that's a big part of it because it's like bringing over that kind of talent to run your offense like that is a great package deal and i think that obviously sweetened it a little bit um i think the one thing that uh, maybe maybe because i know you see you don't know too much about morris but i know you can definitely talk about this is i think the biggest competitor for morris for this job was bill belichick um yeah, what do you true. think in terms of of him him not getting the job and, and uh potentially less experienced guy like morris getting it over him uh i i mean in merit, I don't hate it, actually. Because, I mean, you're bringing in fr a fresh pair of eyes, which I... You're passing on the greatest yeah. coach of all time, which, I mean, looks bad. <laughs> There's not really a better way to say it. I I don't know if I hate it, though, because I've always believed that coaches do have an exp expiration date, and I part of me wonders... Like, part of me has a hard time believing that it's Bill Belichick's, but... Is it that hard to believe that maybe maybe the last couple seasons at the Patriots wasn't entirely just because he had literally nothing to work with? Like, I don't know. I I think that they made the right choice because I think with Bill Belichick, as crazy as it is to say, you're almost flipping a coin with whether he's still the same coach that was... What is he still the greatest coach of all time in a weird way? That's a weird way to say it, but, like, you kind of get what I mean. Like, are you getting that Patriots dynasty bill belichick coaching your team or are you getting the bill belichick that had multiple losing seasons towards the end of the tenure and i think atlanta yeah. decided that they were not getting that bill belichick that we've seen in the past yeah and i think almost um you have to look at the culture fit too it's sure. like it's a young team is bill belichick's message of like do your job super strict is that gonna resonate well with those guys I'm not saying that it couldn't work but I, I don't know. I don't that that fit always felt weird to me. That fit always felt weird to me. And I think I talked about it on the on the podcast in terms of like this is also very much a team that has issues with the offense. And bringing in a, a defensive guy like Belichick, like that that felt weird to me. And the other thing was that was another big red flag with Belichick is, is he was going to bring in all his Patriots buddies who have all been proven to be terrible coaches. It was going to be Josh McDaniels as the OC, Matt Matricia as the DC. And um, what's his name? Joe Judge is the special teams uh, coordinator, which is just like an absolute hellfire. Yeah, a... I was going to say, <laughs> that is a lot of names of people that I would not hire <laughs> yeah. to do much. And I mean, they did good. They were good under Belichick. But yeah. I mean, that might have been a one-off thing. Yeah. Because everywhere else they've been, they've been absolutely terrible. Do you know if Belichick um, so would can... I'm guessing Belichick wouldn't have gone anywhere near GM right in this situation i think that or well, that was another thing that that was another thing that people were concerned about yeah um, i, I just don't know Belichick if that wasn't anything want to work up, for gm yeah i was gonna ask it if oh. like you know if that that, that geez i'm, I'm uh, if that ever ended yeah, up no, becoming I, I, part of the conversation so I mean, a lot of people were speculating that it did, but Arthur Blank actually came out recently and said that Bill Belichick said he was okay working with oh, Terry okay. Fontenot, their current GM. So okay. apparently that was not part of it. How much truth that has, I don't know. 
that we weren't in the room. But Arthur Blank has come out and said that it wasn't wasn't part of the deal. So, yeah. I mean, if we want to take his word on it, then I guess it wasn't. Yeah, and I mean, yeah, again, like I, I don't know. I I don't hate it. I like I said. I just think, I think especially with a younger team, going with somebody out of the McVeigh tree seems like a pretty good decision. It has gone well for a lot of other people in the past. Why not try it yourselves, right? Yeah. Like, I mean, I, I don't have any issues with it. I think we can move on, though. We I, I think we've pretty much hit on everything there is to talk about there. I think the next one that I've got on my list, Carolina Panthers firing their former coach. I have here as Frank Reich, but I know they had somebody else as... They had some other in- interim guy. I don't remember the name of the interim guy. Dave Canales, well, I believe. It's Canales, right? Yeah? Yep. Yep, okay. They hired Dave Canales, former offensive coordinator of the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. Yada, yada, yada. This is this is sneakily my, one? like, this is sneakily, like, I mean, I mean, my number one is obviously Mike McDonald in terms sure. of this coaching cycle, and the other one is is Harbaugh, who we'll get to because he's just proven himself everywhere he's been. This is my third favorite hire. This is a fantastic hire, and um, frankly, um, hats off to David Tepper, which I didn't think I'd ever say because I thought <laughs> he had dug himself a grave that was going to be too big to ever crawl out of. When you fire coaches like this and you have such a happy trigger finger in terms of just like executing these guys. Yeah. Well, that was um, the conversation. They played what? 12 games? Yeah, yeah, exactly. So I was like, what coach in their right mind would want to come to Carolina? And somehow they got like the best possible option because Dave Canales, if you look at his resume, what has Dave Canales done in the past two or three years? Resurrected the careers of quarterbacks who previously yeah. didn't play well. Geno Smith, Baker Mayfield. Wow, now you pair him with your potential like teetering on a bust first round, first overall pick. That's a fantastic pairing. Yeah. That's a fantastic pairing. We've seen him work wonders with quarterbacks like this. And seeing this pairing with Bryce Young, like that's all you need to do to sell me on it. That's all you need to do to sell me on it. He has had so much success in the past couple of years. And um, I think he's going to be great for Bryce Young's development. I think the only big question, I mean, obviously new head coach, like he's had such a rapid ascension that you'd like hope that he can handle the extra responsibilities, which I'm sure would be fine. Um, but the only thing that I would be concerned about is, is still like making sure you actually give Canales time because this Panthers roster is such a wreck. That if you say. do the same thing you did with Frank Reich and, and did, like if, if Dave Canales goes two and, and 10 in his first 12 games i don't even think that's that bad of a thing no because as long as you're seeing like some sort of progression from bryce young that's not that bad of a thing because this roster is so bad and it doesn't have its first round pick do they not oh they don't i didn't even think of that fuck okay well that changes what i was gonna say because i was gonna make say i think if you're this carolina panthers team at this point You've made a move. You've brought in an offensive coach to help out your quarterback, like you said, who has – there's been questions about him in the past. you got to give him a receiver. Like, I – you just got to give him yeah. somebody. Like, I don't know if you can convince somebody elite to come here. I don't know what the wide receiver free agency class looks like this year. you got to get somebody. Mike Evans? Mike Evans? I mean, coming to play for his offensive ha- coordinator again. His division rival? 
Yeah, yeah. That's T. Higgins, maybe. maybe. I like. I kind of like that think, Mike I Evans think... pair up. I just think you need someone. You need to bring in somebody who can like, be... actually be that fuck it. He's out there yeah. somewhere. Target for Bryce Young. I I think having that elite receiver is so big for quarterbacks who are just struggling. I think giving him a weapon yeah. like that. Safety blanket. Yeah, exactly a safety blanket. That's an excellent way to put it. Like you just need, like when you're trying to figure out the confidence of it. The, it's so important to have that that option that you can always go to. I mean, you can just go down the list <laughs> of quarterbacks that were helped develop by the targets that, or by the just things around them, really, like the coaching, the like their weapons. I think they've got the coaching, arguably, like you say. Dave Canales, excellent offensive coordinator, offensive coach. He could potentially help Bryce Young out. Now it's just about personnel around him, I think. Yeah, and I think... The, this the Bryce Young trade continues to haunt them even in Bryce Young's own development because you talk about getting a receiver wow isn't this one of the like <laughs> better receiver drafts in the last few years Very probably true. since like the um Jamar Chase or um Jamar was it Jamar Chase Justin Jefferson no it was like Judy and J- Justin Jefferson like the, that draft was pretty good since since then it that that was probably that was the 2020 oh I draft, guess they were a year separated right they were a year separated um, and I don't think there was. I'm gonna get like flamed if I don't I remember say, what I, I happened don't, after. I, for Chase. some reason, well, because they were they were both LSU, so yeah, I would probably make. They were both LSU, LSU, but Jamar Jamar came out. Yeah, Jamar was a year after. Um, yeah, 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 yeah. That's that, right. Oh, Waddle was the other guy in that in that draft. Oh, I mean, that yeah. was pretty good too. But I mean. Anyway, like it, it's a, it's a great receiver draft, one of the better ones since those last couple of years. Um, in terms of you've got Marvin Harrison Jr., you've got Roma Dunze, you've got, uh, what's the guy's name, uh, Neighbors from LSU. Um, and if you had your first overall pick, you definitely could have orchestrated a trade down, pick up a receiver, and still have lots of ammo. But instead, I mean, they don't. Yeah, if they, um, if they had done that, I mean, you could probably move down to like three or four and get Harrison. Like, I feel like that would be a very yeah. good move for Carolina because – Harrison yeah. does have the talent to go in that top three. It's just whether – it's just the fact that the top three are going to be QBs. I think that's kind of yeah. – that's been decided, right? So yeah. I, I think this would have been – this is a really shit year to not have your pick if you're the Carolina Panthers, that's for sure. Yeah. Like, this... That's the biggest That's the biggest issue with the Bryce Young deal. It's not even that Bryce Young hasn't played well. It's how much he gave up. I mean, and looking back on it, you got to think, like, with the quarterbacks – three quarterbacks available here you got to think of some people in that carolina like uh building are going like god if we just waited a year like we could have gotten a rookie quarterback who i'm not sure where you would rank them compared to bryce young as a prospect going into the draft but like probably all of them better yeah you think so i mean you know college better than i would do but like I, I think you got to think that that's a conversation in that building. Just like, why the fuck did we do that? Like, it's just, yeah. I don't know. It's, it's crazy. I think we should, I think we should keep moving. We got, we, we've still got plenty to go through here. Oh yeah. We Next can, up on my list. We can rip through some we've of got, yeah. Ones, well, I think this one's probably one of the ones we'll want to hit on a little bit. Chargers is the next one I've got here. Fire the last I again I do not know who their interim head coach was off the top of my head but Brandon Staley uh, fired December fifteenth. Yeah. New head coach is Jim Harbaugh, coach of the what was it 
Michigan Wolverines, good at football. Caleb, yep. thoughts? <laughs> I know well, so much about college I was like, football. I was, <laughs> I, was, I, was, I was scratching my head to find out, like, who was the Chargers interim coach? Pretty sure it was Giff Smith. Just wanted to get that little factoid out of my head. Who? Um, Giff Smith. Giff? G-I-F-F. Giff Smith. Um, okay. Anyways, that's, that's, not, that's not important. I feel I just, like I should have heard I that. <laughs> I was. I'm pretty sure it was Giff Smith, um, but I was just. Oh, probably he still looks like his name. Anyways, oh. <laughs> yeah, he does. He does. Um, anyways, Jim Harbaugh. Um, yeah, probably like. I mean, I'm a biased Seahawks fan, so I think Mike McDonald's better. I do think it's probably arguable which hire is better, but obviously yeah. Jim Harbaugh is the more proven hire. Um, he's won everywhere he's went. I don't think the Niners should have hired him, or, or, or fired him. I'm thankful that they did um because at least then i got a few years of niners mystery before they were good again but um i mean yeah, yeah they went from one everywhere. bad coach to or one good coach sorry to another really good coach pretty much yeah at least it, at least they had the years where it was like jim tom sula and chip kelly at least i yeah. got a couple years to laugh at the niners um before they got shanahan but obviously like you're you're looking at this they built that niners team up from not nothing but um, at that point, Alex Smith was a bus. Um, nobody knew who Colin Kaepernick was, and he brought them to the Super Bowl and I mean, on the doorstep yeah, of the Super one Bowl of a couple the better times. defenses we saw in the 2010s. Yeah. Or my way off. I, <laughs> it's tough to compare them because that defense also happened at the same time as the LOB, so um, they weren't even like one of the better defenses of their the years they were around, but they were still a good defense. I mean, Patrick Willis, like, um, lots of great players over there. But, um, I mean, the big the big thing is just, like, I do think he he is one of the better in terms of, like, personality guys, leaders of a team. There's a reason that, like, he and Pete Carroll beef so much is because they're very much, they're almost very similar in a way in terms of the kind of energy they bring to a locker room, and I think that's really important. And, I mean, you've seen how well Jim Harbaugh has mentored quarterbacks. That's the other thing is that um, he turned Alex Smith from a bust until into a player that was actually like from serviceable to very good for the rest of his career. People forget how bad Alex Smith was in the first couple of years of his career. It was considered one of like the worst draft picks of all time before he um, turned his career around I mean, with yeah, Jim taken, Harbaugh. Taken ahead of A-Rod. That doesn't help your case. Yeah. Yeah. Um, actually, although alex smith's better um but um, sure, buddy. <laughs> even, that, even that like uh like like colin kaepernick brought him up from pretty much nothing in late round traffic nobody knew who he was and turned him into one of the better quarterbacks of the 2010s who should not have been uh brought dropped out of the league um and then you've got in michigan like venturing jj mccarthy who has been fantastic and is predicted to be a first round pick um yeah, it's just like I like I don't even know if I can say that much more about this hire because it's just like great all around. Um, yeah, I mean, what and, what are you gonna poke holes in, right? Like they they went yeah. from a bad I mean, coach who almost everybody who followed the Chargers want or around the NFL wanted them to fire. Like I know a couple Chargers fans and they were from day one, start of the season, get rid of Staley. That has been the conversation for a while now. They did it and they brought in. I mean, yeah, again, you're saying it's arguable, but, like, the probably biggest name coach that you could have gotten not yeah. named Belichick. Like... And I think he's a better hire than Belichick. Oh, and, 
again, I'm saying better hire. I'm said big name. A big, like, bigger name. Yeah, 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 yeah. But, like, Jim Harbaugh is the best choice you could have made, I think, for this Chargers team. Because I don't think – I mean – you don't want a defensive coach, I think, in this situation. You want a guy who's going to let Herbert swing, sling it and help him out there. I think you're getting that out of Harbaugh. I think he's, like you said, he's helped quarterbacks in the past. We already know how elite Herbert can be in the right situation with the right weapons. I think Harbaugh is going to set him up for success with that a lot better than Stanley yeah. did. So yeah. I'm excited for it. I think it's a really, really good move. I'm glad he's not in our conference. Yeah. Yeah, no, that's definitely the upside to that. We can move on, though. Next one I've got is Tennessee Titans. Moving on from Mike Vrabel to Brian Callahan. I'm interested on what you have to say on this one because, yeah, obviously I don't know too much about Callahan. Cincinnati Bengals offensive coordinator, which Bengals have had a very good offense at points, so I can understand that higher out of the merit there. But I'm curious what you think on it just based on the fact that they got rid of, I mean, a pretty successful coach in Vrabel. Yeah, when when Josh was on, he was kind of he was really ripping on the on the Vrabel firing, and I think that almost changed my perspective a little bit because it's not like I even liked it before, but I like hearing him talk about it. I was like, oh yeah, like this is even worse than I thought. Now that I think on it, and even now it's even worse. Um, I don't know if you this is just a side tangent, but I I heard that a lot of people didn't hire Mike Vrabel because he was quote a big guy and they were in, and people were intimidated by him. I think that's really funny. Um, but well, it wasn't like yeah, I, I, I feel like I heard Vrabel. I heard very little Vrabel humor rumors. Like I thought I heard like something no. about Seattle at some point, yeah. but like that was the only one I heard. Like he was fuck, never in serious taken, consideration. I would have taken Vrabel over like. Dan Quinn. No, no. No. Oh, over Dan Quinn, yeah, but not over Dan Quinn, yeah, but not. I, I'm perfectly happy with what we have. I, oh no, 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 that's not. No, 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 that's not what I was saying. But over Dan Quinn, absolutely. I, I would take. Oh yeah, yeah. Over, over Dan, over Dan Quinn, yes. Um, but no, like I'm, I'm. You know, look at Brian Callahan. I'm kind of like, oh, what, like, what, what is this decision? Yeah. Because it's just like, I mean, it, it's always. I can't really say anything. It's one of those things where you kind of just have to wait and see. But he wasn't really ever a major figure um, in that Cincinnati offense. Because, I mean, Zach Taylor calls the plays. He's not a play caller. Um, his dad is a fantastic offensive line coach who he got to move to um, Tennessee with him. So that's a plus. Um, they, probably, they, probably, they got the best offensive line coach in the league with that. So that's nice. But, like, I don't know what else he's bringing to the, to the table. Because I don't know how much of it was Zach Taylor, and I don't know how much of it was Brian Yeah, Callahan. that's and a good I, point. I didn't, I didn't know he wasn't calling the plays, but that is an excellent point, I think, to add on to that. Because I think, I, I almost make, that yeah. makes me wonder a little bit of, like, I mean, I, I don't know. I, I personally, I don't hate it just based on, if you just look at, like, the success he's had with the Bengals, you can see kind of where they're coming from. Like, because when Joe Burrow yeah. has been healthy, this has been one of the better offenses in the NFL. So while yeah. I are, I would make the argument that there was another offensive coordinator who maybe, I have a funny feeling, probably just didn't want to go to the Titans. <laughs> but um, I don't know. It feels, I, I agree with you. It's a little odd. I think, uh, I don't know. I don't know. It does, I, I guess, I see where you're coming from if he wasn't even the one calling the plays. Like, <laughs> yeah, it's just it's just such a it's just such a crapshoot. Like this is probably my 
I can't even say that much on it because it's just such a crapshoot and we don't know. Because like things like this can go either way when we don't really know what they're going to be. Because um, the counterpoint against everything that I'm saying here is Mike McDaniel on the Dolphins. He did not call plays on the Niners. He was the Niners OC. And of course, Shanahan's going to be calling the plays or the Niners. And McDaniel has proven to be a fantastic hire and is one of the better coaches in the league, at least scheming wise. Like um, he's been fantastic. And who's to say that Callahan can't be the same thing? We don't really know anything about this guy. That's kind of the big thing where I'm like, yeah, who knows? He doesn't seem to have quite the same personality that a guy like McDaniel does, so I don't think he's got that going against him. Like, I don't even think I've ever heard the man speak. It's not like he's making headlines with anything he's yeah, saying. Well, I can say I, I feel I, as somebody who is a more casual football fan, I had never heard his name before. Like, that's the truth. I'd heard of his, I'd heard his, I'd heard his name, but I was pretty shocked that he got a head coaching job. Um, yeah, it, it feels like one of those. I could be very much wrong because, again, it's a crapshoot and we don't know, but this feels like one of those hires where he lasts two years and then it's like, oh, well, that wasn't the right move, and then you move on. You know what it feels like? It feels like Arthur Smith. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I, I kind of get that. I mean, what – the Tennessee Titans are in such a weird spot as well, which is kind of the weird thing for me yeah. where it's like they have a few talented players – and they have players who are on the back end of certain things. Like, I think it's pretty much a foregone conclusion that Derrick Henry isn't coming back. But, I mean, it's, I don't know. Like, do you start he, the rebuild? What do you do? He feels like a bit of a tank general. You know, like he's, yeah. he's a coach that's kind of disposable so that you can kind of start tanking. And then once you're starting to be on the up and up, you fire him and then you replace him. Like, it it feels like a, like a Texans, David Cully, Lovey Smith situation where... Those guys leave your tank, and then you bring in your actual coach, D'Amico Ryans. Like, it feels like that kind of thing where I'm like, oh, like, that's what I thought the Panthers were going to do. But I guess it's the Titans who were doing it. Um, I don't know. I mean, the, the one other thing I want to say about Callahan before we move on is, like, I think that part of the thinking is that they, they the I've heard the Titans really liked what they saw from Will Levis. And I think they wanted to bring in someone to develop him. And obviously, Callahan working really closely with Joe Burrow, they liked that combination. My one thing I would say to that is I don't know how much development Joe Burrow needed. Yeah. He was already pretty fucking good. Yeah, he was That's pretty much he was there right that. off the jump, I guess. Yeah, I think the next yeah. one, this one I think we can hit on pretty quick because if I remember correctly, I think we already knew about this one when we recorded that segment with Josh, but I'm not sure. Well, we, did, we didn't know whether they were going to actually do it. I guess. But it was very much... It was like... It was very much... It was very likely at that point. Yeah, so, but Las Vegas Raiders, they obviously fired Josh McDaniels on November 1st, and that was a hilarious crapshoot of incredible proportions. And then they brought in Antonio Pierce on January 19th, who is now going to, or I guess brought in, kept, however you want to put it. I, I mean, Josh's reaction to this entire thing, I think, should speak wonders to what that entire team thinks about a guy like Antonio Pierce. I mean, he's exactly what they needed. There was no, there was no reason to yeah. go. Like, I know Harbaugh, like, I don't know if, was that ever really in, was it? Well, I mean, it was, but I mean, it was pretty clear he was going to the Chargers from the jump, but okay. he was in talks, I believe. Yeah. Like, I, even then, I think I like this move, like, just as a whole over Harbaugh for the Raiders. Like, I think Antonio. Why I don't know why you would get rid of Pierce in this situation. Like the whole team, when the whole team likes playing under him, I, 
I don't know. I don't know what. Well, Matt, Max Crosby was literally saying that he was going to leave if they brought yeah. in anybody else other than Antonio. Like, I don't know. I think I think it's a great move, and I think Mark Davis finally did the right thing after not hiring Rich Bisacci a couple of years ago. Um, he's learning when you have an intern coach who does amazing, um, you keep him. Um, I think it'll work. Wait, I think it'll work great for them. He's he's been great. We, he's the only one who we've actually seen in this job before, and we know he did a good job, especially considering where they were before he got hired. And I think players love playing for him. That's the most important thing. I think he should – I don't actually know what their offensive-defensive coordinator situation looks like. I, I know they had Cliff Kingsbury, and then he left for Washington. I don't really know what that's looking like for them right now. I might have to double-check that. But I think it would be really important to surround him with good coordinators, especially on the offensive side of the ball, because he very much strikes me as more of a leader of men than anything else. Um, but I could get that. Still, fantastic hire. Fantastic hire. I don't have too much to say on it, because we did kind of... I was going to say, I don't, I, don't think, I don't think we need to go through the whole break down everything here. I think we can move on pretty quickly. I, I think I can't say yeah. if you do want our breakdown of that, you can go back and take a look at the segment we did yes. earlier. It wasn't official yet, also, like John, Caleb said, but I think we had a pretty good idea of the direction they were going to go. Also, Josh is a Raiders fan, so yeah, I think he speaks true. to it better than we can. Yeah, and I think yeah, and he did do a good job speaking to it, I think, if, uh, from what I remember. But I think I think we can move on no. to another one that I, I don't know if I necessarily have an opinion on, so I think I'm going to immediately throw this one to you. But New England Patriots obviously agreed to part ways with Bill Belichick shocking the world kind of <laughs> well and... at, this, at this point uh, I at called it point. before anybody else did though I called it before anybody else did watch our season preview episode I called that shit <laughs> that's the best that's the best prediction I've ever made don't look at any of the other predictions I made in that episode yeah, but look you at know, that, like, one. that one was... speaking of predictions you know was certain typing. Super Bowl prediction didn't necessarily go your way either but you know how it is. New England Patriots, they hired Jared Mayo on January 12th to replace the greatest coach of all time, literally one day, apparently, after they fired Bill Belichick, according yeah. to what I'm reading here, which I it didn't feel like it, but I guess, yeah. <laughs> yeah. So I think that's probably the most interesting thing. It's that um, the reason they hired him one day after Belichick is because it was written into Gerard Mayo's contract that if Belichick were ever to leave, that he would that there was already a succession plan in place. They wow. planned this out before they okay. hired Belichick. I mean, in terms of he was their he was their internal successor this whole time, wow. which I think speaks a lot to how much they trust him. Like that's yeah. that's a huge vote of confidence. I was gonna say Mayo's been. It's I'm reading he's been on the staff since 2019. Obviously a, a linebacker for the Patriots from 2008 to 2015. Been in the been in the room a lot. Been in the building a lot. I I mean yeah no I don't. What position was he in before? Before getting moved to head coach, do you know? Mm, probably positional. I wouldn't be shocked if he was the linebackers coach. Oh, um, you know what? I that sounds that sounds right. Yeah, uh, I think I thought I read that somewhere. Yes, for me, yes, I, he was linebacker coach. That's right. For me, I think what impressed me most was like his um, his introductory press conference really like kind of changed my view on what this hiring was because I was a little bit scared that he would um, be a little bit of a continuation. Like going in building, you're always going to be scared. It's like more of the same with any organization. It's like 
you want to be hiring outside of the building so that you can actually have a change of perspective. It's the same kind of conversation we had with Dan Quinn and the Seahawks. Why would you hire a guy who's already been in that building and is very similar to the coach you just had? Um, so I'm kind of thinking like Gerard Mayo is a player who's played his entire career under Belichick. He's a player who has coached his entire coaching career under Belichick, I believe. Maybe don't check me on that one. But obviously the last few years, if he's been there since 2019, um, he's coached under Belichick. He's been there and for so a while. Like, He's been there for a while. So my point being, like, you'd be a little bit scared of that. But I was really um, happy to hear that he's um, very definitively coming out and saying, like, that way worked and it worked for a while, but we're doing things a different way now. And the ability to, like, take that initiative in your in your first press conference and say, like, um, like give respect to Bill, but this is how we're doing things now and it's going to be a different team. Like that is fantastic and i think that's what they need and it seems like i like i can just tell like he's a well-respected guy robert Kraft seems to love him um and yeah like he just made a really good impression on me and in that and every like interview clips that i've heard from him um i do think it's a tough gig with where the patriots are at now but i i i this isn't like a brian callahan thing where i think they're just kind of throwing someone in to lead the tank i think it's very much like a they have visions of him being there long term and i hope they give him a legit shot because he seems like um, he's shaping up to be a good coach, although obviously we don't know what the what the season will hold. But I like the hire. Yeah, and I don't think I disagree. I don't know why I disagree with this, frankly, because it's just a good move. Like they're bringing in a guy. I think it's important, like you said, that he said that. I think because um, I mean, there's a lot of truth to that. Like you can't just keep doing the same thing over and over and expecting it to work, especially when it hasn't for the last little bit. I think. Yeah. Obviously, the culture worked when you have the greatest... I think having the greatest quarterback of all time in the room allows people to buy into that sort of system a lot easily, easier. And I think maybe that was yeah. part of the reason that they had issues towards the end where it was like, sure, you're asking this of me, but like, if we're just going to go 5-10 and 10 or 5-9 and nine or whatever, like, what am yeah. I getting out of this, right? Like, what am I getting out of giving you my best giving you my all like i it's the type of thing where you need success for that type of system to work and i just don't think they with the way things were going it wasn't i don't know it just wasn't gonna yeah. going, it wasn't gonna go that way there's no point in trying and it would have gone even worse without belichick heading it like, oh yeah yeah so yeah i I think that is the bottom of the list. That is indeed the bottom of the list. So we managed to go through every single one in only 47 minutes. <laughs> hey. Wow. Well, if you want to wrap up, I, I feel like I feel like we already have kind of tipped our hand. But Simon, what's, what's your favorite and least favorite hire of the cycle? Ooh. Um, I mean, favorites, again, like I... I mean, it's bias, because I like the Mc Mike McDonald a lot just because of the fact that it's not Dan Quinn. <laughs> like, that's pretty much 99% of the reason that I like it, because it's like, thank God. I mean, least favorite's easy, Dan Quinn. I just think, I don't think he should be a quarterback, or not a quarterback, Jesus Christ. I need caffeine. Like, I don't think he should be a head coach again, even if it is for Washington. Like, I don't know what he's done to get himself back here. Like, sure, the Cowboys' defense has been good at times, but I don't think it's been good enough. I think they were just better options. But, I mean, there are a lot of people who like it. There's a lot of people who like it. So, I mean, 
I, I understand that I might just be wrong on that one. I, I'm going to try and pick one that's not Seattle, because that is the immediate one that I really like. I mean, the other obvious one is Harbaugh. I like that a lot for the Chargers. I think it works really well for them. I think you're really going to just... Him and Herbert, I think, have the chance to mess up things, especially in that division. I think... I, I like that team a lot now, now that they have an experienced coach like Harbaugh, who has been seen to really elevate quarterbacks in the past... I, I'm excited for what's next for Herbert. I'm I'm really happy for him, too, because I think he's gotten the short end of the stick being on the Chargers for a while now, and I think, I don't know. I like I like how things are going for, or the way, the direction things are going. Yeah, and I would, I would probably, I mean, I have no, I, I hold no qualms against being a homer. If you listen to the podcast, <laughs> well, that's you know why, that. that's why I gave it to you. I knew that you'd do it. But. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Yeah, Mike McDonald. Mike McDonald is my favorite hire, and I, I I don't feel like that's even that far fetched. It's not no, even just the CR. No, I don't think it's, it's far fetched. Terrific move. Um, my least favorite. I I actually don't think it's Dan Quinn. I think Brian Callahan is probably my okay. least favorite. That is the because, other one. Like, it's Dan Quinn or Brian Callahan. I yeah, because my because I'm thinking like that's even more uninspired and just looking at the gap from the coach you used to have to the coach you have now. I'm like, uh, I that's, don't know. I mean, I guess that's I, a I, good point. Yeah, like, I guess I'm not looking yeah. at it like that. Ron Rivera, while he was good at one point, I just don't think he did much, I guess, with the Commanders. Like, he was just, a de- I mean, he was just a dead man walking like, yeah. for most of the season. He kind of knew his time was up. Yeah, like, it, it was, it's just like, he, how long was he there at this point? Like, was he there, five, four years? He was there for a bit. Yeah, I think four years. I feel like I feel like I, I did when he got hired there. I did think he was a very good coach. I just think like he might have had a bit too long of a leash. All things considered, although they yeah yeah I mean it was I just it was just a tough situation. I don't think anybody could have succeeded there, but it was time to move on. Yeah, yeah, no, I yeah. agree with that. All right. So the biggest story on the NHL the last week or so has been the Morgan Riley hit. Um, and if you guys don't know the don't know the context for this, um, look up a video. You can look up a video of it. Um, well, that, that there's actually a pretty good representation of it. Um, look up a video of it for the full thing. But um, Ottawa's winning. Toronto's pulled their goalie. Uh, Ridley Gregg goes down. He gets a breakaway on the empty net. And instead of just kind of like tapping it in like most people would, he decides to twist the knife a little bit, goes for the full-on slapper right into the back of the net. Um, and now, obviously, if you're the Maple Leafs, you kind of view that as a little bit of a, a little bit unsportsmanlike, a little bit uncalled for. And Morgan Riley decided to take things into his hands and just uh, slash the poor guy's neck. We um, <laughs> do give a little cross check to the. To my old boy Ridley Gray's neck. Um, yeah, and I believe I, I believe the suspension ended up being five games. And now there's a lot of like I believe why the story is really interesting is just because of the debate it inspired. It's like Ottawa fans are going out and saying like under no circumstance can you go come after a guy like that after the play and give such a dirty hit to the head. And then the, the Maple Leafs fans are coming and saying. Well, the little fucker deserved it because he took a slap shot into the empty net, and you can't do that. Um, I don't know where you stand on this side, so, but yeah. there's a very clear boundary line here. I I have I have 
I have a weird opinion on this. I think this is the opinion that most hockey players will end up having. Anybody, like, most, like, player... It's... Because the argument that I've heard, like, online is... It's the difference between what the media is saying and what, like, former players are saying. That really, like, shows you what the difference is in between, like, the mentality of a hockey player versus somebody who's just watching. I think... So, when you do something like that, there was going to be consequences. I think there's... I think that no matter what, if Greg didn't think he was going to get punched in the face, he's an idiot. I think that yeah. what Morgan Riley did was a bit too much. I think you punch him in the face. <laughs> I think if he punched him in the face, this would have been a much lesser conversation. Just drop the mitts. It, it's the fact that he got yeah. the stick involved that completely like turns this entire thing. They, they, he drops the mitts. This entire thing, it's nothing. This is like any other hockey play ever. Like it, this, it just happens. Like it's what. It's the hockey, like, it's the hockey culture, as, like, much as you want to call it that. Like, if you do something like that, if you break an unwritten rule, you're going to get hit. That's how it works. It's gone, it's, it's the story as old as time. It's just the fact, it's what he did to hit him that's really the controversial part to me, where it's like, you know, in his shoes, I wouldn't have done that, but... <laughs> I, I'm sitting here and going, like, I would have let him got, got, get away scot-free... No, probably not, but I don't know. That's my perspective on it. Yeah, and I think, I don't know. I don't know if I have like a, a hard line stance on it either because I can kind of see it from both sides, and obviously I don't have the former, a former player perspective yeah. on it. I can just see it and think like, yeah. well, I, I, I don't, I don't necessarily, like I get it from both angles. I think Greg is an, an idiot for taking the slap shot into the net, and I think he kind <laughs> of kind got of what it. he deserved. <laughs> I kind of thought it was awesome. I kind of, okay, when I say he's an idiot, I mean it kind of in the same way as you do, where it's like, if I'm playing for the other team, he absolutely fucking got what he deserved. Um, Sure, yeah. But I do do also kind of, I do also kind of love it because it does inject that little bit of personality in the game. Like, if I'm on, if I'm in the Sands, I love it. I think that's That's the the emphasis that's needed, where it's like, I think it's fucking awesome. Did he get? Did he deserve to get punched in the face? Absolutely. Absolutely. <laughs> yeah, yeah, and that's that's the thing, right? But like, he didn't punch him in the face. I think I actually lost a lot of respect for Morgan Riley because I think you followed up an unwritten, a, somebody breaking an unwritten rule by breaking an unwritten rule and hitting him across the teeth with your stick. Like, ah, uh, it's just like it's yeah. it's. I don't know. I I didn't like that from Morgan Riley. I just like if you are going to take a stand on on somebody doing something like that, you got to do it the right way. That is a believer. I've that is something I've always believed. Where it's like I don't agree with people who break another rule to make another rule right. I don't think that's how it should work. In a situation like that, you drop the mitts. Like that's that's what happens yeah. there. You start a scrum and then that's it. That that ends it. You let Gre- you get let Greg make up for it, right? Because that's the whole that's the whole thing with fighting. If you're going to do something like that, you have to back it up. That is that is the rule in hockey. Yeah. You did not give Greg the opportunity to back it up in that situation. You also hit him yeah. from behind. I, I, like it was just like I I don't mm-hmm. know. It was scummy. Yeah, yeah. Like I have to, I'd have to watch it again. Obviously, I I don't remember. Maybe I'm talking out of my ass, but it just like it was very clear he did not see it coming. 
and it was just like I, uh, it's. I don't it's know. Not I mean, right I think that the thing is, I don't think I don't think Riley intended to. I think it no. was probably the worst possible hit that he could have done in that situation. Like, right? I don't think that yeah. was necessarily the intention. I think he's just flying in there thinking. This fucker really just took a slap shot yeah, on an empty net. It was just aiming to hit him. And that part I respect. Just aiming to hit him in any way. Like just aiming to hit him in any way possible. Yeah, it's the fact that he went high and used a stick that really just like you could have. Yeah. Like you could have just grabbed him. You could have done like really anything, and you would have gone away scot free here. Like you could have hurt him worse. <laughs> like that's the that's the funny thing. It's the fact that the stick was involved at all. That is really, really, like, just, like, setting people off in the wrong way. And, respectively so. Because we're at a point in the sport where, like, again, I keep saying it, like, whenever situations like this come up, concussions, concussions, concussions. Like, of course you're going to get a big suspension for that. I don't know if you hit him in the neck or head. You were saying neck. It's been a minute since I've seen it. But, like, anything above the shoulders, you just don't, you don't mess with that. Like, I've seen situations where players have been, for, have had to, like, stayed down because they got took a hit to the neck like anything like that's just scary and you don't want that in a sport like this like i i love contact yeah. sports like i think they're so fun but it's and i love the unwritten rules in hockey like on the ice i think it's what makes hockey what it is compared to other sports like sure you hear about those unwritten rules but it's not it's not to the same level as they are in hockey where like i think it's it's almost like a bit of honor to it and I, I definitely w- will say, despite agreeing with the fact that I think Greg deserved to get whatever was coming for him after that, despite thinking it was pretty awesome, I, I love that. Like, I lo- like... Yeah. And I can say, like, I am far from... When I played, when I played, I was far from the biggest follower of the unwritten rules when it com- came to messing with people. <laughs> but, like... I, I can say, like, I am a big believer and you have to back it up. And I just don't think... Yeah. And I think in a situation, I feel like Greg probably would have backed it up. It's just he was never given the opportunity, right? And that's the that's the underlining... We'll never know. Yeah, exactly, right? Like Here, Here's the here's the thing. Do you think... This is, this is a question. I don't know when they play again. But, I mean, obviously it's a rivalry anyways. Yeah. Do you think there's going to be some sort of scrum or some sort of brawl to start that next game? I feel like there has to be. I don't see Morgan Riley fighting him. I can see Greg wanting to fight him. But, like, I just, like, I I don't know. It's not Riley's style. Like, it's just, uh, I I hope so. I think think that's what should happen after all of this. I think there should absolutely be a pretty, (laughs) pretty big, like, response to this entire thing in their next game. But, I, I mean, hey, we'll see, right? Like, you never know. Yeah. I, I don't know. I could also see nothing coming from it. It depends how soon the game is. Which I think that would be the most disappointing thing, yeah. is nothing coming from it. Because, well, I mean, this has been listening like, to... It's been pretty crazy to see, like, the outlet. Like, cause there's some people who, like, think it's the best thing ever. And there's people who think that Greg deserved worse. <laughs> like, it is wild, like, the differences on which side. Like, there's no... Like, yeah. the funny thing, the, that's the funny thing where it's, like, we're both sort of in the middle, I would I would say. Like, I'm more on the yeah. former player side of it, like, where it's, like, well, I mean, I get what he was going for, <laughs> but, like, it's, I don't know. I, I'm very much on the side of, like, 
I don't know what Greg expected. <laughs> it's that type of thing, right? Where, like, I, I do not agree with the fact that he deserved worse. I do not think that you should use your stick to hit someone like that after a situation like that. That you are you are making a situation worse when it doesn't make a lot of sense to. Like, yeah. I don't do you, know. Do you think that... Um... Do you? I here's the thing. I don't think they play again this season, actually, uh, um, which is kind of disappointing. Maybe in the playoffs, um, or I guess Ottawa's I was, not very close. But. Ottawa's not very, yeah. yeah but um, I was, th- I was gonna, I was gonna say, well, what was the question I was gonna ask? Um, oh, do you think in terms of five games for the suspension, more, less? What, what do you think? Uh, about right. Like I, I could have, I would have been. Definitely not more. I would have been okay with less. Like that would be my thinking too. I think at, I'd say five was probably my upper limit, and I'd say yeah. like it, anything from. If three he had to gotten five, three, if he had gotten three, I would have looked at it as like, yeah, that's about right. It, he got five, and I'm like, yeah, yeah. Sure. Like I, I think if he had gotten yeah. anything above that, I would have been like, again, I get it. He shouldn't have done that. Like that is a shitty, shitty way to go about it. I disagree with it. But that's a lot of games. Like, it's yeah. it's also the fact that, like, I don't know. I don't think Morgan Riley really has that many, like, I don't know if he's ever he been suspended before. Yeah, like, I, I feel is, like he, he has That's a weird player to have done this. I, I feel like I've seen him do stuff like this before, but it's I don't know if he's ever actually, like, faced this much backlash for it. I... Again, I'm, has, I'm gonna keep no no disciplinary no disciplinary history or okay. fines. Yeah. Um, I don't know. So Again, no, no history I, at all. <laughs> I I will stand I will stand on my hill by saying that I think it's awesome. I love when players do stuff like this, especially in rivalry games. Like it's so fun. Like that's yeah. if you're not allowed to shove it in your rival's face, then what's the point in having rivalry games? Like. You wanna, yeah. you wanna really like. I, I fully agree with what he did. I like. I just think that, like, you, you gotta know Greg knew have, what was coming, right? Like, yeah, you do have to back up. But I, I do think it's an important point to make. Is like the one you're making is a good one in terms of like, yeah, like this stuff should happen more in terms of like yeah. having taking that slap shot in the net. Like, and it's not that it's uncommon. A, a, like people act like this is the first sport. time we've seen something like this ever. In hockey what it's not we yeah. see we see this type of like you you're saying it's bringing personality and it's exactly that but in rivalry games it's not it's not common but it's not incredibly uncommon either like teams will yeah. absolutely get in each other's faces towards the end of these games and really let them know about it right that's a very like common thing i think that it's just the fact it's the outcome of it but that it's the riley cross check that's getting people messed up about yeah it because you're really starting because you start to walk the line of like what should be the punishment for like doing taking a slap shot like that where like the far yeah. the far ends of it either are don't take that slap shot don't do anything related to it if you do that you deserve it or it's the other side of the thing where it's like you know screw riley that was stupid yada 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 right like it's just it depends where you yeah. land on it right I, I think he deserved to get suspended. I think the action was wrong. Do I understand the merit of it? Yes. Like, you... It's a rivalry game. I Like, things got heated. I have a funny feeling he regret... Riley regrets it a lot now. 
Yeah, well, yeah, obviously because he's suspended. But yeah. I do, th- I do think it's a thing in terms of like making rivalry games fun. Yeah. Um, I think one, I think one of the one of the good comparisons for this in in another sport is what the what the Saints did at the end of the season to the Falcons, where they oh, yeah. they were up by thirty and they scored a touchdown, and it was interesting because um, Cam Jordan, uh, defensive end for the Saints, was on a podcast that I listened to, the Around the NFL podcast, and they asked him about it. And like, were you guys okay with that? And we were like, absolutely. Like the whole team, other than the coaching staff, was behind him. And they said, and Cam Jordan basically said, like, like, what, what the hell do we care? It's the Falcons. We hate those guys. Um, You're gonna hate them anyway. If I was out there, if if I was out there and I had the call, I would have gone for two. It's like, yeah, <laughs> absolutely. Yeah, I love that kind of. I love yeah. that kind of thing. And it it, it brings the fun back. And part of the. Part of the fun of sports is hating other teams. Yeah, that's why. Oh, this absolutely. last Super Bowl would not have been as fun if I didn't if I didn't want to see. I, I enjoyed myself so much watching the Niners players cry on the sidelines as the Chiefs confetti fell. That's part of the fun. That's part of the fun. But you have to bring that back into sports more. Yeah, bring back I, sports hate. And it's like it's still there, especially in hockey. It's just like it's yeah. It's the people who are like completely against him taking that shot that I don't... That's the side I get the least because I'm just... I don't know. I, I know I've played hog Like, I've been in this environment my entire life where it's just like... So I guess... I guess I can see it if you're less familiar with the style or, like, the with how things usually go surrounding that, but it's like... I don't know. Like, I'm, I, I, I guess I don't know how much I even have more to add because I'm just saying the same shit at this point, but it's just like, I mean... I I have not I have issue with what Morgan Riley did to get revenge. I don't have issue with him going after it. <laughs> yeah. I and I think that's the emphasis that needs to be made a lot cuz a lot of people are just ins- it, I don't know. The reaction to it this entire thing has been absolutely insane at least in my opinion. It's a dirty hit. Dirty hits happen all the time. For our NBA segment this week, obviously we are pretty much when this comes out, it should be day of the NBA All-Star Game, if I remember correctly. Yep. So that, wait, Sunday, right? Sunday? Yeah. Yeah. Yep. Yep. This should be coming out perfectly timed then, as both me and Caleb will be drafting our own, own sort of All-Star teams to make this a little bit more interesting. Like we did for the NHL side of things, we will not be going into NBA 2K because that was going to be way too big of a pain in the ass <laughs> to set up again. So we won't be doing that this time, but that's all right. We'll be able to live without it. But that'll mean that it'll be you guys having to decide who did better. Let us know and why Caleb's dumb and let me win. This is going to be terrific. <laughs> I mean, you're you're currently you're currently zero and one in these. That's uh, true. Kind you did beat me last time. This is my time. This is my chance to tie things up. I guess, kind of. Although I mean, I'm, <laughs> I clearly, I clearly know so much about basketball. That's true. You. That's true. You nobody, you, could, nobody could ever call us casuals. Yeah, never, never once has anybody called us casuals when it comes to the NBA. I guess we have to decide who's drafting first. Who drafted first for the NHL? Was that you or me? Great. Oh, you got McDavid, got McDavid. So probably you. I got McDavid. Yeah, okay. you want to go first for this one? Am I go? Okay, sure. I, I mean, I'll go first. I'll, I'll happily, I'll happily. Uh, well, I mean, there's a, there's a, I guess there's not I feel an like immediate a... first pick, but there's one person no. that I that sticks out right away to me, that I will immediately take, and that is your boy Nikola Jokic. 
I will, yeah, okay. I will immediately that's what take... I, that's what I figured. Although I'm I'm showing off how scuffed this is going to be. <laughs> Laura, Mip Laura Mipsum. Laura Mipsum. MVP. You're not seeing this. This is... Shut up. Whoa. Throw like smoke on the screen. Make it all flashy. <laughs> wow. Holy smokes. Jokic's name just appeared there? How did he do Yo that? Yo Yo oh, not my sixth. Not my sixth. Center. <laughs> I should I'll put take, a point I'll, guard. I'm okay no, with I'll that put a point guard. <laughs> there. Alright, well that's... I mean, that's probably who I would have taken if I... Yeah, it's kind of the obvious yep. pick right off the jump. It is. Especially since, I mean, we talked about this before the podcast, but I can't, like, match you with Embiid at center because yeah. he's injured. Yeah, we will so not be taking anybody who is hurt. So that kind of already feels like a bit of a mismatch in that kind of yeah. department. So I feel like I'm, I'm I am starting off on the on a bad foot. I'm gonna kind of switch gears though. I'm gonna go um, with my small forward as I'm just gonna put Luca because I, I I think like especially that's what I was hoping I'd recently. Yeah, no, that is yeah, very no, fair. I'm I'm not gonna I'm not gonna give you Luca. I'm just gonna gonna take him off the board right now. I wanted I wanted I'm, my Europeans, but I guess I'm not gonna get them. No, I don't. I I wasn't gonna, I wasn't gonna leave. I wasn't gonna leave that for you. There's yep. no chance in hell. Yeah, that's fair. I think. Ooh, I think I still get the chance to match up my Europeans though, because I'm gonna take mm. a different. I'm gonna go. I'm gonna take my other boy, and that is Giannis Antetokounmpo. Yeah, that doesn't shock me either. Yep. So right off the bat, we got our we bought we got our four and five figured out. Giannis and Jokic down in the paint. It's a pretty. That's a pretty we crazy like duo. That's not. That's not something I'm necessarily looking forward to <laughs> to go against. Um, see, this is this is where it gets tough for me because I mean, it's really upsetting to me that Embiid is out because I think if if I if I could get Embiid, that th those matchups would be pretty balanced because I feel like. At this point, you got to say those four are the best four in the league. And would I be would I be crazy uh, to say that? No, no, I I don't think you'd be crazy to say that. I think you'd get some arguments, but I don't think you'd be crazy to say it. Yeah, I mean, with anything, I'm going to get some arguments, but I feel I like that's, um, hmm, man, I don't know what I want to. I don't want to. I don't know where I want to go with this next. Um. I'm gonna go. Oh, this is tough. This is tough. <laughs> I I'm gonna go. Shit. It's tough. I don't. I don't there, love. It's, I don't at, love my. Well, once you get out the top four, there's outfit. not a lot of mistakes you can make. I think because there's a no. lot of players who are like on similar levels. I'm gonna I'm gonna go I'm gonna go Dame and put him at shooting guard. Wow. That's a bit of a shocking yeah. pick. Or no, that's not what I was gonna do. Ignore this. Again, smoke on the screen, smoke on the screen. Oh my gosh, look out your window. Holy smokes, do you do you see that? Did you see the distraction? Wow. <laughs> wow, did you see it? Oh my gosh. I'm putting I don't know. I oh, no, I, I, do have, have spell, Lily. I have a I have a vision. You have a vision? I felt I felt like there was there were some of the players I potentially could have wanted more, but I don't know if you're gonna grab them. I was a little bit more worried about you grabbing Dame, so I'm I, I'm gonna leave it there. 
Yeah. I well, I think I'm what I'm gonna do is probably hmm. That's not the direction I thought you were gonna go, to be honest. I yeah, like uh I I think I'm gonna just right off the bat take a take a Laker. And Are you taking LeBron? I'm taking LeBron. I feel okay. like I feel like at this point he's the pretty easy he's the, or not easy, but he's he's always a safe pick. I don't know if I want him point guard or small forward, but I think for now I'll put him small forward. Alright. I'm I'm okay with that. Um, I feel like I, I'm at the point where I, I mean, I know you're you're a Lakers fan. I know I know you love LeBron. Yeah, um, so I'll, my love of LeBron is well known. <laughs> yeah, I figured I'd I figured I'd give him to you, and I, I don't know with how with I know he's still great. But he's still very with how old he is. Like I I kind of wanted to go a little bit younger with my team, and with that I kind of like. Hmm, I think I'm gonna I think I'm gonna hit my point guard next. Um, okay. And I think this one. Oh, do I want to do that though? Oh man, like these these choices are getting tough. Okay, I'm gonna go. I'm gonna I'm gonna hit you with a uh, with a Tyrese Halliburton. Oh, wow! Yeah, I like that. Card. I like that. And thing. I just think that he's been ripping it up this year. Like in terms I hope of I like. Uh, I don't know. I don't know if I'm. I'm not gonna. I'm not gonna tip my hand as to who I was debating with between him and this other guy because obviously you still have a chance to take him. Um, but I'll, that will probably be revealed later whenever he gets taken. So just know that it was between this guy and another guy, and I. I just feel like he's been, like, just with how well Indiana's been playing and how well he's been playing. Um, I felt like it was a, in terms of an all-star game roster for this season, I felt like it was a good pick. Also, I don't know if you saw this, but you see the shit where he like threw it off the backboard from the three-point line, caught it again, and then dished it out to um, Siakam. I did it, but that sounds free. awesome. All right, with that figured out, I think where I'm going to go, I'm kind of, I've been mauling. I, because of some technical difficulties, I think that gave me a bit more time to, I think, Think up my decision a bit more. I think that I am going to go with... I'm going to go with who I think you were fighting in your head with Halliburton. In Shea. Gildas Alexander. Yeah. Yeah, I I think that's the pretty obvious pick, at least to me. I, I like the idea. I, the nice thing that I like about him is depending on who I can get in the next little bit, he can kind of slide in at shooting guard or point guard. He's good at both. I think for now I'll slide him at point guard, but we'll see how things go. Um, that was Yeah, that was absolutely who I was fighting against in my head. Yeah. I feel like Halliburton, like, I feel like Shy might be a better player overall, but I feel like Halliburton has had a better season. That's kind of where I'm, like... Yeah, and I don't know if I disagree with that. Although, I will say, they are close enough that I was very much kind of of the opinion of, I'll just take whichever one you don't. (laughs) Yeah. I I was happy. I was happy to take whoever there. But, anyway, back over to your pick. You've got two bigs to fill in to try and fight Giannis and Jokic. 
<laughs> oh god. This is where my lineup falls apart, I think. Um mm. I don't know why this was on my desk, but I've just been playing with this like basketball pump thing. I don't know why I have this. <laughs> but I've just like it's been I've been fiddling with it. I hope it has not been making noise. <laughs> okay, I'm gonna go with I think for my power forward, he's a little bit I think he's a little bit I thought at least that he was a little bit over the hill. But I think he's had a, a really strong season this year, and his team has been doing a lot better. And, I mean, if he plays up to what he can be, then this will be a fantastic pick. But I'm going to take a shot on Kawhi. Kawhi. Wow. Okay. Okay. Jimmy Kawhi. Okay. I, I don't know if I see the vision, but I certainly see you. I see you making moves. <laughs> and, you know, they're being made. Okay, can I can I like <laughs> can I can I justify like I don't know if you've seen the the, the run the Clippers were on recently. I guess. Um, I guess. But they That's were true. they were doing fantastic, and a lot of that was because Kawhi was playing. I mean, um, you could at, not have chosen a better defensive player to guard Giannis, I guess. And that's kind of that's kind of what I'm thinking too, yeah. right? Is that like that's kind of what my team is missing. That's and true. You have a lot of offense, not a lot of defense. Left, out of everybody who's left, if I'm going to get somebody who's great on the defensive side of the ball, I'm getting Kawhi. It's not, he's not, it's not like I'm getting, I'm probably not getting Pete Kawhi, but he's been playing really well as of recently. So I'm more than okay with that. Yeah, and I can respect that as well. I think, I think for my next pick, I'm going to be, I think, I mean, obvious pick is to fill that shooting guard role. I think it just depends on who I want in the spot. Um, and that is where I'm a little bit on the fence here. Um, you know what? I'll, I'll go the younger of the two. I, I, yeah, I'll go the younger of the two. I'm going to take Jason Tatum here. Oh, I keep doing that. Okay. I think that, obviously, I think he's a type of guy who can slide in shooting guard, small forward, even power forward, potentially, if you really need him in that spot. I am going to put him shooting guard because I'm just looking at the size of the rest of my lineup and going, yeah, that probably makes the most sense. I And that means that Shea will be locked in at point guard for me, which I don't really have any issues with either. Yeah. Um, oh, boy. Now I have to choose a center. Yes, uh, you do. There is... Because I'm wishing for him. There is, there is an obvious one, at least to me. Hmm. This is where my basketball And that's stays. Julius Randle. <laughs> yeah. I'm looking at. Yeah. I think I think I'll go with. I, I think this is what you're talking about. I think I'll go Carl Anthony Towns. Um, yeah. There like the are. One. I was good. I, I was trying to. I was I, seeing if I could like go younger, hit like a bench arrow from the from the Magic, but. Yeah. This feels like it's a, a lot safer pick. No, I, I don't think that's a close pick either. That's not even who I was thinking. Like, just skill for skill. I don't know how good of a season Benchero is having, but out of bio, I guess. If you had said that, I would have been like, okay, you're adding defense. I kind of understand that. But, like, I, I think Cat is, like, head and shoulders at this point above the rest of the centers on this list. Not not named yeah. a beat, obviously. But, um, obviously, now we've got a chance to make our sixth. I think this is pretty obvious to me. I'm just going to take the guy I was kind of fighting in my head with over Tatum. I'm going to take Steph Curry. Okay. I Whether or not I took him was going to determine whether or not Shea 
played point guard. Oh, oh no. The whole world's on fire. Oh, there we go. We're back. God, We're this back. has been We're scuffed, back. huh? Um, I'm going to take Curry as my sixth. I think that's probably best available type pick. I also think that out of all the yeah. position groups I have, guards are probably the weakest. Not to say anything. Not that that's anything against Shea or Tatum. I just think that, yeah, I kind of like the – I like having Curry. I like having – the fact that I think I could pretty much slide him in at shooting guard, point guard – Next to either Shea or Tatum, I have no issue with that. I think that just shows the balance of the lineup, which is important. Yeah. For my last pick, I'm just going to say fuck it and go for who I think is the best player left in terms of at least, like, having a great season on a great team and is overall a great player and has been um, really is a young guy who's been continually improving. I'm going to go Anthony Edwards um, okay. from the Tim Timberwolves on this one. I think um, I think the surprising thing is that Durant somehow stayed on the board for this entire thing between the two of us. I thought at some point he'd get taken. I do like the Edwards. I mean, I was going to – that was kind of going to be – I that was my initial instinct. But I, I feel like at this point in his career, Anthony Edwards gives me a little fair. bit more. That's fair. And that, that'll do it. Those are our picks. It is Shea, Tatum, LeBron, Giannis, and Jokic with – Curry coming in off the bench for me. Halliburton, Lillard, Doncic, Kawhi Leonard, Cat, and Edwards for Caleb. I like my team here. <laughs> I, I like my team a lot. I, my team's a lot older, but I like it. Yeah, I'm thinking like, I don't know. If I could swap out Cat for Embiid, I feel like this is a lot more balanced. Um... Yeah, but, well, we can yeah. even, here, make it interesting, go. If Embiid was playing. Like. Yeah. I feel like that would almost balance it out a little bit more. I, I think so. But I mean, so, like, within, 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 the, within the restraints of, uh, of the exercise, because he's obviously not going to actually play in the All-Star game. Um, I'm still okay with Cat, and I, I and I still think I still think this team could match up, um, but it, it Giannis, the Giannis and Yoch and and Jokic is like um, I don't believe Cat would do a, a good job matchup. guarding Jokic, and I don't. Well, Leonard Leonard and Giannis is pretty decent, but like even then, <laughs> although then again, Doncic versus LeBron is a matchup I don't like either. So yeah, yeah, like there's there's a there's a lot here. I think. I think it is actually fairly even. Like, I think both teams match up pretty well. I think we both went in two very different directions with our teams, which is very evident. I think I went with the more veteran, you know what you're going to get out of them, while you definitely went younger, more, basically across the board. I think if I had taken Curry yeah. as my point guard, it would have fully solidified that veteran approach. But I think nonetheless, yeah. I definitely built the 2019 All-Star team you have built the future, and now we get to see what the people, who the people thinks win. That was a that was a sentence. Oh, <laughs> Ritz crackers is so fucking good. Those I'm gonna open pop. it with that. <laughs> Do it. <laughs> Anyways. Uh, thank you guys so much for watching the Trick Play podcast this week. I hope you guys enjoyed. Um, all the segments we had, if you did, 
make sure to check us out on Fresh Take Network. Boom, that oh, corner. Oh, fuck. Got that, him. That way. That way. Uh, it's in your corner, so it's got tougher. Him. <laughs> got him this time. Got him this time. Got him. Um, yeah, Fresh Take Network, that's going to be Apple Podcasts, Spotify. Otherwise, check us out on YouTube, Twitter, TikTok, all that good stuff. If there is a platform on the internet, we are probably on it. Just look up Trick Play Sports Podcast. That's going to be us. It's always um, fun to argue with Caleb on Twitter. Keep that in mind. Oh, yeah. That is the that oh, yeah. is the, is. That is the nice part about Twitter. Because now it Caleb is, is getting fun. in fist fights with every single person who disagrees with him. Get that's my so fun. If you want... If you want to see me get angry at you, come on yeah. Twitter. Yeah, if you want, um, if you want Caleb to get mad at you, go to the Twitter. <laughs> yeah. Um, speaking of things I'm not mad about, though, uh, we have a we have this is a special shadowed edition of the oh, Trick yeah. Play podcast. This is the book. This is the book report. This is the book Play. report, apparently. Uh, yeah. Well, where me and Simon are both going to shout out um, books that we've been reading, which <laughs> one more relevant than the here. other. <laughs> yeah, but the book. The book, the book that I'm going to be shouting out is, oh yeah, it's coming into frame there. Three Ring Circus by Jeff Perlman. I don't know if you can see his name there. Um, Jeff Perlman is a fantastic author. I've read quite a few of his books. Um, the, the one that I love the most is Football for a Buck, which is his book about the USFL, not the USFL that recently existed, but the one oh, back okay. in the 80s. And it's a fascinating story. Um, I know... I loved it. I this is the one book where I like I gave to gave to our friend Matthew who normally doesn't read and he was fucking like going off about oh, this really? book because it's just so fantastic. It's a great it's a very interesting story and there's so many like is it something like you don't really know about as a sports fan? It's not like it's talked about all that much. So it's a lot of insights and a lot of crazy twists and turns that you don't expect from that kind of thing. Um, great book. I also read his Brett Favre book, which is another really good one. I feel like I've read I also read he has one about the Cowboys dynasty of the 90s. That one is also great. I think great. I've seen that one. Um, yeah, that Boys Will Be Boys is what Yeah, that that's called. what it was. Yeah, um, yeah, yeah. which has the most – that one I, I still really like. It has the most metal opening, like, chapter of all time. If you even, like, go into a bookstore and don't want to buy the whole thing, just read the first chapter, and it's like, holy shit, that happened? Oh, yeah, it did. <laughs> um, I won't spoil it, but um, it's – fantastic writing anyways this is the one i'm shouting out now i'm not all that way i'm not that far through it because i started reading it like a few days ago yeah um so what what is that for you like how many pages because i'm curious i'm at 150 okay that should show the difference in how much me and you read then because i i will say i will i will say despite the bookshelf that i have back here a lot of these books i read when i was younger like, most of these, I would say, I read before the age of, like, 15, which would be, like, four years ago at this point. I, I am not an avid reader by any means of the imagination. But, that being said, earlier this week, I, I took both my sisters to the mall, and they wanted to go to the bookstore. For whatever reason. Like, apparently, like, Percy Jackson something or other, I don't know. Anyway, like, oh, yeah. Uh, yeah, there's, like, some, some Percy Jackson thing is happening, I guess. I think. The new show. <laughs> Oh, well, there you go. There's something happening. One of my sisters wanted to go get a book there. Anyway, I found myself perusing through the sports section like I usually do at books, bookstores, and I, I came across this. I For anybody who doesn't know, because I guess, I guess there's not a lot of reason for you to know, I am an avid fisherman when I can be. I'm not very good, but I enjoy fishing. It is called The Optimist by David Coggins. Not that one. 
<laughs> David Coggins, not Goggins. And it is the fucking best book ever for, like, no reason. It's just fucking great. It's this guy. Because normally, I will say, fishing guides are fucking boring. If you... I... I... I can understand why people would find them interesting, I guess. But personally, whenever I've tried to... I've wanted to get better at fly fishing for a long time now, and I suck at it. But I also hate reading fishing guides. So I just find myself basically just, like, throwing shit at the wall and just trying to figure it out on my own, which is not a good way to go about it by any means. I just don't like fishing guides. So I picked this one up, and it's basically a fishing guide in a biography. So it's him explaining, like, all of these stories of, like, his all his fishing stories because he's fished all over the world like and while also giving tips and tricks for all that shit like how like specifically like how he ties his flies and all that shit for for me it has been interesting as hell i will say i've had it now since i went and got this on monday so we're recording this when friday so five days i'm 35 pages in so like i have been picking it up for like 10 minutes like every once in a while and just taking like reading it i've been going slow but that being said i have been fucking enjoying the crap out of it and it's making me want to start picking up more books which is always a good thing i think yeah. that's the sign of a good book that's, that's and to show you how little i read i my um my bookmark has been a mark tenorti rookie card <laughs> <laughs> so take that with that as you will it's it says he had 10 points in 1989 with the north stars there's your sports fact of the day. <laughs> there's your sports fact of the day. But yeah, there's my if any any fellow fishermen out there who are looking for a very good fishing book. Very. I was good, I was gonna I say it's a very niche it's a very niche audience that you're. Uh, but the thing that is, you're like, talking to, but I'm sure it very much hits with that niche. Audience. I will say, even as somebody who fishes, like reading about fishing is boring. Like it just is. Like, there's not a lot, yeah. like, to... But he does it really, really well. Like, the way that he's, like, explaining everything, where it shows he has a lot of wisdom to pass on, but he also has a lot of humor to it. So I, I recommend it to anybody who's interested in either learning more about fishing or just wants to read a book that, like... It, it's making me excited for spring. Like, it's that kind of book, where I'm excited okay, to be able yeah. to get back on the river. So, I don't know. It's... I have been enjoying it. So there's yeah. the end to I, our very odd podcasts. <laughs> I, I do want to um, mention, I don't think I mentioned actually what this book is about. Yeah. I do you know what? If you want to hold it up, this will be a thumbnail. <laughs> yeah. Thumbnail. Book report. Book report. Um, <laughs> <laughs> uh, but yeah, no, like I was just, I think I was just talking about other Jeff Perlman books for a lot of that. But I do want to say like this one is about the 2000s Lakers with Kobe and Shaq yeah. and kind of covers that whole era. Um, obviously, that's why it's called Three Ring Circus because you know they won three rings. Um, but I, I, it was a circus, and I think as someone who is not the biggest basketball fan, and I don't know a lot of this stuff going into it, it's absolutely fascinating. It's oh, yeah. not like any of the other football books where it's like I know what the Cowboys were. I um, this is always, fascinating because a lot of the stories I didn't know. I will say, I with that, I think the most interesting thing to me about that era of like Lakers basketball is how like. You, it's, it's like a hatred that, between Kobe and Shaq, it's a, a hatred that turned into a brotherhood. Like, it's a hatred that followed them yeah. throughout their entire careers. Like, they constantly wanted to one-up each other, and it turned into a brother brotherhood once they both retired. And I think there is something so awesome about that. Like, I've just, like, 
It's because it's it's a hatred that comes from respect. Like both of them hated yes. each other because they were good, because they were yeah. almost polar opposites. Like it's yeah, I don't know. I I, I haven't read dynamic. the book. I haven't read the book, but it makes me want to pick it up because I think if it's done well, I I know a lot of those stories, and I'm sure I'm sure like there's there's a lot of things to tell. I can definitely say that. Yeah. I've gotten so much more insight into both who Kobe and Shaq like were as yeah. people that I did not know before. And it yeah. captures their dynamic pretty well. Cause everything you just said, like I'm again, I'm only like a, a third of the way through, but yeah. that's still captured very well in terms of both of their, their drive to, to be the best and to be the leader of that team. They and both wanted to be the best. But they both went about it in very different ways. <laughs> yeah, that's very true. That's very true. Um, it's yeah, super fascinating, and I'm I'm at the point where Phil Jackson's just starting to come in, I believe. So I'm very interested to hear all the stories about that in terms of, of how they were able to actually, <laughs> yeah, in terms of how they were actually able to is, kind of wrangle those personalities. I was gonna say he is one of the more interesting coaches to learn about because when you hear about like who he's coached with it being like Michael Jordan and Kobe and Shaq, you don't necessarily, I don't know what you expect out of his coaching style, I guess, if you don't know anything about him going into it, but you will certainly, you will certainly be surprised if you do not know anything about him. Yeah. I mean, I, I know what I know from the last dance. Okay. And well, I watched that okay, a never mind. Ago, you, then so. you've got a, then you've got a basic idea then of the fact that he's a bit wacky, but that's what made him so good. Yeah. Yeah. But I'm still very interested to read about it because I know a lot more because of that. I know a lot more about his Bulls days than his Lakers days. Yeah. Um, so I'm, I'm, yeah, I'm fascinated. And I know, like, there's always just these little, like, tidbits of stories that are so interesting because they're just oh, yeah. so small in scale, but so just, like, fascinating. And it's like, oh, the only time you would hear about this is in a book like this. Oh, yeah. Where it's just so focused on one thing that those little stories really come to light. Yeah, and I've Absolutely wanted, fascinating. and that's a, that's a big reason I've wanted to get back. The reason I like stopped reading in my, at least in my head, or I stopped reading as often, is mainly because I felt like I had read everything that I wanted to, I guess, because yeah. I had a very like niche thing. Like I only wanted to read about athletes I was interested in, and I only wanted to read sports biographies and nothing else. So I just stopped. Like yeah. at a certain point, I had read everything related to the athletes I wanted to know about. Like, I mean, you can kind of get a pretty basic idea of, like, Wayne Gretzky, Kobe, uh, Clint Mahavlik, or Mahavlik, Mahavlicek, Mahavlicek. That's just an interesting story. Gordie Howe. I mean, after that, it kind of just goes all over the place. But there's, most of them I started reading because I wanted to learn more about that specific player. And at a certain point, it was, I'd walk through the aisle and just go, like, I've, I've read that. I've read that. I've, I've read, read. I've, I've read, read that. that. It was either I've read that or I just I don't know. I didn't want to read about like I don't. Yeah, some I don't guy. care about this. I, yeah. Yeah. Like and so I just ended up stopping. But like it's I I think I'm learning that I have to pick up. I I want to get back into it. So maybe I'll I'll find something after I in ten years I get through this. For me, yeah. For me <laughs> and sport, because I had the, I I had a similar kind of thing with sports books. For me, the autobiography is well interesting. Um, I think they kind of tail in comparison to books like this 
where it's like an investigative look at a specific period for a specific I, I want to pick up more it's really interested. That stuff's really interesting to me. And it doesn't even just have to be like Jeff Perlman, I think, is the master of it. But there's been other books I read that I don't know the author of. There's one guy who like did an examination of college football in general. But that was really fascinating when I didn't even know a lot about that. It's just like these like really in-depth reported stories um, that I find super fascinating. And um, while I, I still love the autobiography, like I've read Wayne Gretzky's stuff, I read uh steve young's book was actually pretty good too but I'm trying, yeah i'm trying to the... remember one second i'm gonna see if i actually have it i don't know if i ever actually finished it but this is this is a pretty good example of that one second distracts is this what i think it is oh oh no it's not never mind I, lied. Okay. I totally didn't just drop that book shut up you didn't hear you didn't see that hear that smoke bomb but there was there was some sort of I don't remember who wrote it or what it was even called, but there was like a book like that about the Flames and Oilers rivalry that I wanted to read and I just never the Battle got of Alberta. It. Was it just called yeah, the Battle of I think Alberta? It was just, I think it was just called the Battle of Alberta. I don't remember. My, who I gave that. I, gave, been... I think I gave that book to my dad oh, for okay. Christmas. Oh yeah, there you go. Yeah. That that's one that's on that was on my list forever and I never got around to it. But I think I think that's one I'm probably going to be picking up. That's kind of on that level of where it's like it's talk, it's breaking down something that's interesting like that. Another one I really want to read. That's again, it's Lakers related, different era. I want to learn more about the '80s for the Lakers because I know they made a show yeah. based off of it. But I'm not a big show guy. Like I, I kind of, I think I'd actually rather read about that in a book. So I think I yeah. think I'm gonna have to at some point pick up some sort of book. Because I know a lot of the stories, but I want to know the full big picture with all that stuff. Because there's a lot of very yeah. interesting stuff. You know, you know what is that? Um, the show that show is based on another Jeff Perlman book. Is um, it really? Yeah, that would make sense. <laughs> it is. It is. He's again. He's kind of the master at this. Do you know stuff. what it's called? Um, he wrote a book. Uh, I think it's just called Showtime. Oh, Showtime yeah. Magic well, Dream the show. And, yeah yeah that's the yeah written in 2014 that's that's the one so if yeah. you're if you're if you're looking for that i i haven't read that one but it's considering that's... how much i've read of this author i can vouch for it you can vouch for it <laughs> yeah without even having read it i just know his style and i know that it's fantastic yeah i mean fair enough like uh yeah yeah that one <laughs> it yes, took me a second to pull up but yeah, no, that is one that is also on my list, has been on my list for a while. I think I've got to hit that. I've got to hit like, oh crap. We've got the name tags up now. I don't even understand how this stuff People works. Know. Whoa. Name tags gone. You will now forget who I am. <laughs> anyway, thank you for tuning in to our book report, apparently. That was a good book report. It was a good book report. To make this a weekly, weekly, weekly segment oh, book report. Jesus, fuck no. I'm going to be on, like, page 60. <laughs> like, I'll be, I'll be doing, you'll be on, like, your, like, a different book, and I'll be like, yeah, so, he, this, in this chapter. <laughs> that, that's what it'll be like. It'll be Simon. Oh, yeah. Report, it'll be my, me talking about this guy in a different river. <laughs> <laughs> that'll that'll be the that'll be it oh anyway thanks for watching check us out everywhere like caleb said yep. earlier we are everywhere go argue with him on twitter
Check us out next week. Yeah.